greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. So stay with us for the next two and a half hours as PRISM rings in the new year with an action-packed lineup. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Spectrum Wrestling. Time again, World Wrestling Federation at the Spectrum. And I'll tell you, the place is packed. The lineup's all in place. And I'll tell you, we're just about ready to get underway. This is Dick Graham again. Welcome again to professional wrestling here at the Spectrum. And my good buddy, the, the big guy himself, my bodyguard, if you will. <laughs> You're going to need one before <laughs> this one's over, I'll tell you that. now hey now welcome to the 24 inch podcast my name is steve bennett coming to you from beautiful chilly buffalo new york and i say that because my co-host is anxious to tell me about the current situation in his hometown of Kearney, new jersey ladies and gentlemen hollywood dave rollins what's the deal over there dave what's up i mean uh we got a weird rare day here in Kearney, new jersey uh, we've had a couple cold days, you know, it's November's here, we're on the 18th of November already, but today we hit 70 degrees Gross. here in Kearney, New Jersey for November 18th. I got my mile run in before my job today, I'm feeling really good, I'm pumped up, you know, it almost got that feeling, it's almost a sad feeling, because it feels like the weather out there, almost like the smell in the air, especially when it got dark, like that first warm day in April, maybe the beginning of April, the end of winter, the beginning of spring, once you know summer's coming, you start getting that feel. Maybe there's a little smell in the air. Maybe there's not. You know, the jackets come off. And I got that feeling today, but it's, the situation is the opposite. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're going in the other direction, brother. We're heading towards winter, man. Like in that show, winter is coming. That's all I know about that show. Yeah, it's, but, uh, it's solid 35 here right now to 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffalo. But, I mean, uh, reminds me of Sopranos. Buffalo, Buffalo, come on. You know, in the strip club. When the yep. guy, what the would the guy win 30 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> I think that guy's uh, so funny. That comedian that always bombs that comes up on the show a few times. I love that oh, guy. Oh, that's who that was? I didn't realize was that. Was it that guy? Was... I don't know. Maybe I'm confusing it... a couple different things. but Yeah, it was when they were in the strip club and, and Tony kept losing all the bets. He wanted to put all the money on the Jets and Carmelo. Yeah, like, I remember that. Yep. The spec house. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Then... Okay. Yeah. Mm. I, I was if, thinking... he was if he was a comedian, he could have been. I'm not sure. I was just thinking of that time where they hired the comedian for the party or whatever and he bombed and then... He was also in the um, uh, old folks' home bombing, and Olivia and uh, yeah, yeah, Junior yeah. were watching him. And then he was in yeah. another time, I think, maybe. I just think that yeah, guy's so, so funny at bombing. Anyway, I, I, I was thinking now. of him for whatever reason. but Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're not bombing over here, at least today. Uh, beautiful day. C- can't complain. Well, And t- I ended it off the right way, talking to you, Steve Bennett. Today, uh, we're taking a request uh, and came in on email on 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, 
uh, from Lucas Calhoun wants to go back to the spectrum uh, from July of 1986 uh, for a Hulk Hogan versus Adrian Adonis match. So we're going to do that. Uh, we're also going to read the news, of course, from uh, July of 86. And we will go over each match in the card with some interesting names. A few we haven't talked about yet. A few we haven't talked about recently. Uh, so this is our second show of the first season from 1986. Uh, but it's the first one since the first one. Uh, the only other 86 show was the premiere, the pilot, which was the WrestleMania 2 show. WrestleMania 2, what yeah. the world has come to. So towards the end of the season, we go back there uh, and we pick up uh, here. We have, what, three episodes or so left uh, in the season after this. We're going to be a quick turnaround. We're going to come back next week to be released, assuming nothing goes wrong. My grandma doesn't fall and break her hip or... God bless. You know, all the crazy things. Assuming a a catastrophe. We like to say God willing. God willing. We will be putting out a show on Thanksgiving Eve. Or no, excuse me, Thanksgiving. A Thanksgiving tradition. Uh, We will do SummerSlam 88. And we'll talk more about that at the end. And I like, Steve, that we have our our shows listed in seasons. So we're ready just in case Peacock wants to throw us on there one day. We're, We're a step ahead. Peacock loves seasons. Seasons. Yeah. WrestleMania season one. Season WrestleMania one, yeah. season two. They love it. Uh, before we get to that, I wanted to thank the veterans. We had Veterans Day recently. You know, it's, yes, an, sir. it's an interesting month because, you know, and I have a daughter in school. And Dave, she pulled it off. I dreamed of this for 18 years. Never happened. Four months into her first year of school, Paula had a water main break and got a day off this week. I swear. Oh, wow. To God. They call this at 2 o'clock on Monday, and they're like, the water main broke. Got to repair it tomorrow. <laughs> the kids are off. She had off Veterans Day. She had She's had three half days. Uh, she had off the day after Veterans Day to make it a full four-day weekend. Um, she has three days off next week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for Thanksgiving. I used to always get two. She's getting three. Yeah, we used to only get I think we used to get a half maybe on the Wednesday. Yeah, once in a while we get the half yeah. on Wednesday, but it wasn't an every year thing. She's got the whole day off. Yeah, for, so, all, for all months, for the water main to break, November, when you're off all the time anyway. I know, and the half days, and the, you know, it's just crazy. Uh, but, hey, she's Who's lo- down, who's she's down there messing with, those, messing with those pipes? Maybe Steve Bennett? Yeah. Trying so, to get Paula Mania home? Someone. 24-inch podcast. No, more likely one of the third graders didn't want to do the spelling test. <laughs> <laughs> um, or so, they, hired, they hired Mo, Larry, and Curly for uh, janitor work. The wrestling, or the, other. the wrestling gods are are calling me on my bullshit, Dave. I said on the last show uh, that I watched a few episodes of the season of season one of Heels and that Heels. I would I would finish it if it was renewed, and it was renewed. Uh-oh. Uh, so I guess I'm going to have to finish it. Um, but it might be a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not the way, ru- shows, I, I'm the not, way shows are now, you'll be all gray by the time. Uh, yeah, and I'm not rushing terms. to want to get back to it, but I will. Speaking of seasons that ended... Uh, the Dark Side of the Ring season ended with kind of a dud, I thought, of a steroid episode. Uh, I think they saved that for the finale as if it was going to be some grand bombshell on Vince McMahon or something. But it was cool. They had the lawyer who I've always heard his name but never seen or heard from in three yeah, years. Yeah, Jerry McDivitt. 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 I, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. And now he also has a uh, shoot on <laughs> Hannibal's channel. But I didn't you know? think that he was like, incriminating the WWF or Vince McMahon in any way. To me, he seems still very close with them. I don't know. Oh, yes. Yeah, he, he actually he spoke up for the 
the other side. You know what I mean? So it wasn't this one wasn't a hit job. If anything, it was 50 50, you know, because you, ha- you had Jared McDivitt. Yeah, which know, I was kind of surprised at, you know, but maybe very much so. Maybe if there's one thing. The wokesters on dark side of the ring hate more than the, the wokesters. I like that. <laughs> one thing they hate more than the WWE, it's the, the U.S. government. Maybe there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so well, not anymore. Now, now they like to. Well, the current they iteration. like to listen to. But still, yeah. the general, you know, don't forget the the foundation of the country is built on white supremacy, uh, okay. and all the institutions which are built around that are white supremacist institutions. It's just a theory. Maybe, maybe not. But. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a dud. I'm kind of out on that show. Um, I we went over it before. I just think it's kind of gross that these guys who grew up loving wrestling and had a cool show that was telling cool stories, sometimes sad and sometimes honest, sort of took this hard right hand turn into, you know, let's ruin Ric Flair's life for some reason, or or, or left hand turn, or know left, saying? whatever. What this difference is, what direction right, the turn left, is? Right yeah. left again. They made a sharp turn. Is the point? Uh, no, I mean, I mean like right and left. Oh you know. right, right, I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. a left turn, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, I'm out on that show. I think, of course, there could be a topic that would get me to view it, but I'm not going to be anticipating or whatever. And it's too bad because it seems like it's created a real divide between Ric Flair and the WWF. And I, I, I know you have more to say about it. I'll tell you what I seen. Just that he said he wants his belts back. I, I assume that means he had given some belts to them to display but now since they're broken off i assume he wants those back he started a podcast i thought it was a little odd he wasn't with conrad but then i thought well maybe if he's out with the wwf he doesn't want to put conrad in a bad spot with pritchard i don't know what 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 do you know about flair and what's going on with the heat there yeah well he originally had one with conrad and uh right that uh, that was conrad's start yeah. Now he's with Mark Madden. I'm not a big fan of him. He's his. from Pittsburgh, uh, right? Yeah, a hockey guy, so you may be familiar with him. Well, I'm familiar with his work uh, for a myriad of yeah. reasons, but yeah, he's in he Pittsburgh. Was a, he was a pretty good color commentator in WCW uh, toward, towards the dying days uh, after Heenan just got moved to Thunder. Uh, he was a color commentator. I didn't like him because he stuck up for He acted kind of like the, the dirt sheet, siding with that. It, and they were trying to like, but nobody had any idea what that shit was back then. You know, I did, but... Most casual viewers had had no idea what he was talking about, so it didn't work. But he was still, you know, you know, a little bit in that Jesse Elk. He was okay, but I just not a fan of the guy overall as a person. But uh, you know, he's close with Flair. You know, they're doing that, so I believe that's why uh, you know ex- excer- excerpts from that show are hitting the media outlets now. You know what he said about Becky Lynch with the man thing. That's old news. They they uh, went over that about a year ago. And I don't know uh, that that's you know he trademarked the nature the nature boy, uh, Buddy Rogers used that. You know what I mean? I don't see why the girl can't can't use the name there. But I mean, if you're going to blacklist Flair, then he's got a point. You know what I mean? But they really didn't. Well, I he don't did see say that about the man being his thing a long time yeah. ago. And doesn't yeah. that just kind of more stem from the real life heat that Becky Lynch has with his daughter? I mean, can't you just have Flair's back in a sense and say, look at? The guy's well, just they do, they, taking the side of his daughter. He's sticking up for his daughter. Yeah, they also could be working, though, because there's a big Becky Lynch-Charlotte uh, match coming up this Sunday night, the Survivor Series, right here in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, who There knows always nowadays? is the asterisk who's, in wrestling. Yeah. All days. There always is that asterisk that they could be working. But it yeah, seems like the, there is some real-life heat there. All they did with Flair is remove him from the intro, uh, then, now, forever, kind of like the, you know, the, the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. 
what we're accustomed to, the the modern one. WWE, then now forever, right, they have course. like yep. Hulk saying something, body slamming Andre, you know, maybe saying something, the Undertaker saying something, they'd have Flair, woo! They took that out. But besides that, you could search him on online. His, uh, you know, I'm not sure if there's still merchandise available, but um, you know, he hasn't been erased. What they did to Hulk, you know, for those couple of years was ridiculous. He, you couldn't search him. He was Benoit. Right. You couldn't search him on the WWE. Yeah, he, he was given the same he, treatment they gave a double murderer. Yeah, and he never said a bad word about the company through that whole thing. No, he, he said how it. much he loved them. Yeah, he and took everything. it like a man. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and he still gets heat. The poor guy. I mean, just, can the world just have some forgiveness? You know, and God, God bless him. Love the Hulk. Perfect. Hopefully, he's doing well wherever he is, Dave. You know. Yeah, Hulk. Uh, yeah, another thing. Flair some said rumors. Is that, yeah. You know, Hulk's not doing well, and um, in a related story, I uh, at the Wrestling Collector here in Stockholm, New Jersey, I uh, Eric Bischoff was there uh, this Saturday, and you know, me and Chet were there front and center like we always are, and we got to talk with him, and he said he was you know just coming from Clearwater visiting his son and uh, son Garrett and and visiting Hulkster, and I said you know how's Hulk doing? How's he feeling? Bischoff kind of gave me a look like he didn't want to say nothing. He's like, ah, oh, he's all right, but you know, but it's tough. He's, he's struggling. He didn't have a good look in it. In, in his eye about it i'm ho- i'm hoping it's just external pain nothing you know in inter- you know what i mean like nothing right, we don't want it to be an organ. eddie van halen or a neil peart situation where yes. we find out one day he died because he had brain cancer but didn't tell anyone yeah, yeah i think it's still his back and his right. hips and his you know the, the wrestling stuff and anybody you know six foot six 300 pounds even if you're not a wrestler when you start pushing 70 brother you, you know those things are going to happen and how many, you know, Hulk with the 26 back surgeries, how many times can you go under anesthesia? You know what I mean? It's Yeah, after I mean, a while, he's 68 years be, old, so. I mean, that might have something to do with, you know, his, you know a lot of times he's bad memory, a lot of times he's working, a lot of times he's joking. But, I mean, I'm starting to think that it's from the anesthesia, some of the stuff that he's way off and on I've lived that. or way off on something. There's yeah. periods in my life that are not as clear as others, and it's because of those sure. moments of intense anesthesia and, intense pain medication and other medications that shit does catch up with you sometimes yeah i, I couldn't even i but mean best i don't even know let's hope yeah, hulk, so, something happened to hulk i might even need a break from the show for a while just to break from wrestling because that's here's a cool, you know what i mean a cool hulk story i couldn't even imagine a cool hulk story so uh i was at a one-year-old's birthday party and uh my friend introduced me to his friend and he was a Southwest, he is a Southwest Airlines flight attendant. And he told me that he collects sports memorabilia. And I said, what is your favorite thing you have? And he said, oh, I have a signed football by Dan Marino or something. And I have a Hulk Hogan ticket. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm a, I have a Hulk Hogan podcast. We got talking. He said, Hulk was on ticket? my... Uh, yeah, it was a, a house show he went to as a kid. Oh, t- okay. Rest he has okay. the ticket signed by Hulk. Sure. Okay. Um, he said he was on my flight once. And he, he said, so... It was Buffalo to Tampa, Southwest flight. Hulk had been in Buffalo for the day for a signing. Um, and Jimmy Hart was with them. They were uh, on the plane. And Hulk greeted everyone on the plane, signed for everyone pictures. The plane took off 10 minutes late because Hulk was taking care of everybody. And he fell asleep. And someone was trying to get to him. And the Flight attendant said, you know, oh, we're going to leave him alone right now. He's sleeping. Turned the guy back. Jimmy Hart saw it, said thank you to him. Uh, then when Hulk woke up, the guy went over to him and said, hey, 
you were asleep during the drink service. Can I get you a drink? Can you need anything? And he said, Hulk goes, oh, brother, thanks for asking. He's like, Hulk called me brother. He's like, I was trying to play it cool. He's like, but I lost it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it was over. Once Hulk called me brother, I was marking out. He's yeah, like, you, you get he's around. just saying Hulk was so great. Just, just wanted to, It's a, just an everyday story of a guy telling me Hulk in a position where he didn't need to do it and went the extra mile. So throwing that yeah, out he, for the haters. Yeah, and you know, I've met Hulk a handful of times, you know, uh, maybe six, seven times. The last time I met him, I don't know if I ever talked about this in here, but I'm not going to get too into it. We'll, we'll save that for another show. But he started talking to me like a regular person and instead of just, oh, brother, I love you, you're my hero, whatever, any of that shit. Because I started talking about I just had gotten out of rehab from my opiate problem, and he started telling me about his fentanyl drip and one of his surgeries and how he almost killed him and stuff. So we're talking like two regular guys, but I'm just like, holy shit, this is just fucking Hulk Hogan. I'm just talking to him about real-life stuff, not his match with Big John Studd. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, yeah, he, he always, since I was since I, I also met him when I was uh, like 12 years old, 13 years old, he always treated me. Uh, very well. Looks in the eye, shakes your hand, you know. Even when I met him back then in 94, 94, 95, he asked me how the WWF was doing because we were here in, in New Jersey. In Weehawken, New Jersey, they were doing something at the boat show over there, you know, during Thunder in Paradise. And he asked me, how's the attendance? Because I told him, I, you know, I still go to the Meadowlands and stuff. He asking me this shit. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we're doing the Hulk, Hulkster podcast here. We're fans, and uh, we're always going to be fans. And, you know, God bless the Hulkster. And, uh, you know, he's made mistakes like we all have. We're Nobody all is perfect. We're all flawed. Yes, please. The guy's a real guy. And I think everybody should forgive him for his uh, past mistakes. And we have I to keep really in mind. For and one thing I've always felt that bad for him, and he mentioned this in the, in the Gawker trial, is it's got to be tough to know that Hulk has a much bigger penis than Terry. Yeah, you know what I mean? Story. It's got to be frustrating well, because. But I, I don't see anything wrong with that because Hollywood Dave Rollins has a much bigger penis than regular. But isn't Dave that Rollins frustrating for you? I mean, wouldn't yeah. don't you want to have the bigger one all the time? I mean, wouldn't yeah, you want man. the regular guy? I would be. I feel like that. I just feel bad for him. Um, but good for him as well uh, to have two <laughs> different size penises. Uh, all right. It's like it's almost like you can press a button. Now, which, which size do I want tonight? What which bar am I going to? Where am I going? You know, am I just home with the wife, or yeah. you know, w- let's take gets... the small one out when you when, when you're married. It's like you know uh, I mean? so you don't cheat on it. Like in uh, Goodfellas, uh, Fridays were for the small for the for the smaller penis, and Saturdays were for the big penis. There you go. Um, all right. Here's Gumar what night. Here's what we're doing tonight. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to go over the bio of the late great Adrian Adonis. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the history of the Prism Network, uh, which was the regional sports network that these shows aired on in Philadelphia. Uh, Don't you just love it? Dave will tell us where Hulk was in uh, this month in 1986. We'll read the news from July of 86. We'll go over the show from the Spectrum 7-26-86. We'll go blow by blow in Hulk's match against Adrian. We'll rate the match. And then Paula Bennett will join us for the last segment. And we will do emails and plugs and all of that good stuff, including what we're going to do on the next show, which I kind of spoiled the surprise. But we'll talk more in detail about it then. Sound good, Dave? Sounds good to me, man. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. 
You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back, episode number twenty-two of this almost one-year-old adventure, uh, and of course we're looking forward very much in the middle of season two uh, to meeting everyone in New Jersey for Wrestle 80's Wrestling Con on May 7th. Uh, But business to do before that, obviously, and we'll start tonight with the July of 86 show at the Spectrum, a request uh, from one of our loyalist of listeners. And he requested the show headlined by this man, Adrian Adonis, born Keith Adrian, or excuse me, Keith Adonis Frankie. Uh, he was born on September 15, 1953, and he passed away on the 4th of July in 1988. That dreaded wrestling 4th of July. Yep. A lot of bad things happened. The Bruiser Brody murder, 4th of July, the Brutus Beefcake parasailing accident, and I think one more thing even besides Adonis. Crazy, right? He was born, Dave, in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Uh, arguably, in my opinion, the most beautiful city in the eastern part of the United States, Buffalo, New York. How about that? As the son of Kenneth and Hortensie Frankie. He had two sisters, Karen and Susan, and he went to Kenmore East High School, graduated in the class of 71. Kenmore East High School, Dave, is about 10 minutes from where I sit right now. Wow. How about the Adrian... Adrian Adonis Monument outside of that high school. Do you I, visit it often? They should have it. I know the assistant principal. How about that? She went to high school with me. And if somebody puts graffiti on it, it's okay because it'll look like makeup. <laughs> <laughs> A gifted amateur wrestler. He won the Section 6 title in 1970. However, he dropped out as he grew bored with school. Oh, that could be a problem with the monument. Uh, for a short time, he played in the Canadian Football League, but then began to focus on his wrestling career. Uh, he trained under Fred Atkins and debuted in 1974 wrestling as Keith Franks in the late 1970s. He adopted his ring name, Adrian Adonis, and the character of a brawling leather jacket clad biker. I guess he never tried the Fred Atkins diet after a while. That didn't work out for him. Didn't work out for Mr. Atkins either. Passed away. <laughs> uh, Sorry to hear. The um, build height. Was 5'11, build weight 298, build from New York City. Uh, like I said, trained by Fred Atkins, the 74 debut. Uh, the American Wrestling Association, the AWA, is where he spent a lot of time in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, he formed a tag team with Dick Murdoch or Jesse the Body Ventura. Where are we? Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, the team was called the East West Connection. Because Adrian was in the East, Buffalo, and Ventura in the West, California, although, of course, build New York and California. Uh, the East-West Connection was awarded the AWA Championship in 1980, July 20th, when Vern won half of the champions with Mad Dog Vashon, was unable to, to defend it because he was vacationing in Europe. 
Wow. Uh, they held the belts for 11 months. The promoter, the promoter strips himself. Yeah. You'd think he would have planned his European vacation around that. Yeah, him and Chevy Chase. Uh, they held the belts until June 14th, 81, when they were defeated by... High Flyers. Who were the High Flyers? You might be right. Greg, Greg Gagne and Jumpin' Jim Brazil. Yep, that's correct. I thought that. Uh, was... I got lucky there. Yep. <laughs> you were right on that one. Uh... Adonis and Ventura debuted in the World Wrestling Federation in 1981, uh, working as a team and in singles, but he was, Adonis was a frequent challenger of the WWF Championship belt then held by? Bob Backlund. And the Intercontinental belt then held by? Mm, Pedro Miles. Correct. When injuries caused Ventura to stop wrestling regularly, Adonis formed a tag team with? I'm going to say Dick Murdoch, but I think... Yes, we, you're right. And okay, we're, and but not, were, not in 81. And they were called the... This is 83. Uh, or is it North-South Connection now? Yep. They debuted in late 83. And uh, around this time uh, is when he started putting the weight on. Uh, on April 17, 1984, the North-South Connection won the belts by defeating... Atlas and Johnson, brother. And they held them until January 21st, 1985, when they were defeated by... Wyndham and Rotendo, brother. That's right. You're on fire. Now, they Rotendo. they disbanded. And in late 85, after being briefly managed by Bobby Heenan and doing the DDT as a finisher, his gimmick began to change. First, Jimmy Hart became his manager when he traded... I love that, that they did that trade. Isn't that so cool? Yep. Who did he trade? Uh, Jimmy traded uh, for uh, Bundy for Adonis and the Missing Link. And the though, Missing like, Link, yep. I'm not sure if he ever even came out with the Missing Link. Maybe once, Jimmy. The Missing Link uh, left the territory right as that Let's break happened. this down. Who won this yeah. trade? Oh, the brain. Yeah, I mean, you got, against, a main not, event. you got a WrestleMania yeah, main eventer. Nothing against the adorable one. As everybody knows, we're, we're big fans, but... It, you know, I mean, if Missing Link stayed, yeah, he was a and boss, did, and did a and, yeah, and did a run with Hogan too, then yeah. you know, might even out a little bit. But uh, it was basically Adonis for Bundy because Missing Link was gone. That's why they call him the Brain. That's it, brother. Uh, with Hart in his corner, Adonis defeated Corporal Kirshner to advance in the Wrestling Classic in November before he lost to the Dynamite Kid. The Dynamite Kid, one of my with his foot favorites. on the rope, though his foot was on the rope. The adorable one. Uh, in late 86, Adonis started carrying a briefcase with the re- phrase, relax with Trudy on it. Still don't get that. <laughs> I, I know that that song, relax, don't do it, whatever that song was out at the time. And that song is sexual. It's about wearing a condom, I think, or not wearing a condom. I think, or is that another song? It could just I, I could be, be one of those wrestling things. If you think too hard about it, you're making a mistake. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like the briefcase, and it opens up. Did it ever open up? And you know, go ahead. Okay, and he also carried around a, a spray called Fragrance. Uh, during an edition of Piper's Pit, Adrian gave his signature leather jacket away to Roddy, uh, who wore it for years off, uh, after. The, the, the condom thing is the safety dance, not relax. Okay. So yeah, but it's it, it still had something to do with that song. So I think it was on the charts right around that time. Trudy part, search me. Okay, and then after that, uh, he adopted the gimmick of the effeminate, adorable Adrian Adonis, began bleaching his hair blonde and wearing pink ring attire, 
leg warmers, dresses, hats, clownish amounts of eyeshadow, and rogue. Uh, and that's basically where we are now. He put on a lot more weight. He's up to maybe 350 uh, towards the end. Um, and he defeats Uncle Elmer uh, in WrestleMania 2. Um, and that leads us to his kind of run with Hogan uh, here where he challenges him on multiple occasions in the summer of 86 before he really gets into his last big feud in the WWF, which is, of course, against Piper, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Uh, but that's where we're at on Adrian. And yeah, he was also a huge catalyst in the Orndorff turn in the summer of 86. You know, in all those flower shops, he kind of was the one planting the seed in Mr. Wonderful's head. Hogan's taking the spotlight, you know, not answering your calls, et cetera, et cetera. So he played a big role in uh, that feud. Yeah. And, you know, just to talk about the end of his life for a second, because we might not get to that, I, I assume we'll talk. Well, at least in our wrestling. I'm not going to burn anything from WrestleMania 3 because we're going to go over that, every inch of that, uh, someday. But with hopes of joining and having lost weight, hopes of rejoining the WF and having lost weight working for Dave McKigney in Newfoundland and wrestling against Hartford Gloves. So he's really working hard, trying to get himself back. Uh, but on July 4th, 1988, in Lewisport, Newfoundland, Frankie was in... Why did they change his name to that? We know Adrian was in a minivan with fellow wrestlers, uh, William Mike Kelly Arco, Victor Pat Kelly Arco, and Dave McKigney. Um, three of them were I think, killed. I think one of them, the midget, one or two of them are midgets, I think. Yeah, three of them were killed uh, when the driver swerved to avoid hitting a moose. And blinded by the setting sun, their van fell from a bridge and into a creek below. Jeez. He suffered head injuries and died a few hours later. Uh, William Arco was the sole survivor of the crash, but sustained severe leg injuries. At the time of his death, he left behind his wife and two daughters, Angela and Gina. Uh, they reside, They reside in Bakersfield, California, which is where he's buried in Greenlawn Memorial Park. Huge loss, man. Huge yep. loss. In Buffalo, you said you were asking about the high school. Uh, there's a restaurant in Orchard Park, New York, where the Bills play. Uh, called Ilio De Palos, and Ilio De Palos is a famous oh, wrestler yes. from Buffalo, and his family owns the restaurant. And the Buffalo Wrestling Hall of Fame is housed there. And um, there's always events whenever wrestling is in town. A lot of the wrestlers will go there. Uh, back when the WCW used to do Nitros here, uh, the Nitros were some kind of like Legends of Wrestling themed yeah, things. Yeah, they, they would do one a year for a while at the Marine Midland Arena. Yeah, uh, and, and the that... Pablo, uh, Benefit show, or yeah, what have you. and that event was sort of run by Ilio De Paolo and his well, his family. I think he was dead by then. Um, but there is a plaque for Adrian there, and all of the wrestlers who have come from Buffalo. Um, yeah. So if you're looking for, if you're in Buffalo and you're looking for something, Adrian, uh, Ilio De Paolo's. Well, if you're a wrestling See, fan at all and you're near the neighborhood, it's a place to, sh- and it's good Italian food too. It's a good restaurant. Cool. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, because uh, we were both. In well into our fan, wrestling fandom at the time of Adrian's death. I don't remember how I found out, but it seemed like I knew about it pretty much right away that summer. I know the, the pro wrestling magazines or the Re- pro wrestling illustrated or the wrestling eye. Yeah, I learned wrestling. about it that exact way at the grocery store. I guess store, that way, but they would the be like, their info would be like three months behind. So that would mean we wouldn't have found out till September, October. Yeah, that could I mean, have been. Lo- but that's that definitely how I found out. 
It could have been, but feels like I feels like I knew right away. I could be a hundred percent wrong. Nobody's around me is going to remember my father or anything. But it seems like we knew right away, and then that was also around the time, actually, right at the time, uh, they were saying, "Or Mister Wonderful." Obviously, it wasn't in the wrestling magazines, but the rumor in the schoolyard and and you know everywhere you went was Mister Wonderful Paul Underoff had also died. Oh, I never heard that. True. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that went on and on and on and on. Like him and you know him and Adonis, and you know, Adonis was 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 the true one. Yeah, yeah. Now, I can tell rumor. you with a hundred percent certainty that I found out in the grocery store, reading it in the magazine because I remember running through the grocery store with the magazine to tell my mom. Yeah, and his uh, his his LJN uh, was like it was pretty still new and hot on the shelves. Uh, by that time, it, it was out, you know, in 87. By the time it came out, he was already gone out of the WWF. But, um, you know, it was still fresh in Toys R Us when after he was dead. So I remember, like, seeing him in there and always saying, like, oh, my God, he's dead. He's dead. You know, so just a memory. Rest in, Not peace. A good one. Rest in peace to Adrian. And we're going to pay tribute to him tonight as the show goes on. <laughs> and that's like when a wrestler being dead. Like, you see a guy in this, a wrestling figure in a store, he's dead. It's a big deal, you know, because he was the only one that we knew that was that was dead at the time. One other thing I wanted to go over before we get to Dave's uh, look at Hulk and his month in July of 86. We already covered the Spectrum, which I really enjoyed doing. It's a cool arena with a lot of history that I was lucky enough to be at the last event of. Um, Very cool. So in lieu of that, tonight we're going to talk about the network that aired. This was one of the lucky uh, cities around the country that was able to get live wrestling like this in their homes, uh, with the others being New York and Boston, yeah. and I believe LA and Tro- or excuse me, um, Washington and Toronto may have gotten uh, some well, as well. Definitely yeah, Toronto, Toronto did. Toronto had them all. Uh, LA only had a, sh- a short. Run LA, I on said mistakenly. I remember. I was. I wanted to say Washington when I said LA. Yeah, well, the Z Channel was L.A. I believe only they had almost all the 88 L.A. Coliseum shows. The okay. Z, Z Channel was like a, a movie channel like HBO, like Prism. And uh, Washington, they didn't have a sports channel that showed the stuff from the Cap Center. Uh, they would air on USA Network and only in the early 80s, like pre-Hulkamania. It only leaked into a little bit into 85. I think Hogan against Brutus for the belt in August 85 was the last cap center show showed on usa network so that wasn't as far as i know wasn't a, a sports network in uh dc or virginia or anything well, like in that. our drive um our secret spot where we have access to shows we have shows from boston garden which would have been nesson yes uh the cops coliseum in hamilton which i assume i don't know where those are probably would have been tsn or uh something else in canada Maybe the same same one that uh, Maple Leaf Garden aired. Yep. Uh, Houston had some. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, most of them were for prime time, uh, the, I believe. The but it had to air somewhere. Keel Auditorium in St. Louis. Los Angeles the, uh, Sports Arena, like you mentioned, 88 shows. C-Channel. Uh, MSG, Maple Leaf Gardens. MSG, uh, the Meadowlands in Nassau. Which you know, just a few shows that probably aired in place of ones when the garden was closed. Yeah, there, or there, like that. that was also a MSG network. Yeah, Correct. and uh, the Spectrum, like we said. So, uh, but the Spectrum episodes aired on the Prism Network, uh, which stands for the Philadelphia Regional In Home Sports and Movies. 
a regional premium cable television channel in Philadelphia metropolitan area. It launched in September of 1976. Primarily, it was distributed through cable systems, although it was available through a scrambled over-the-air signal on WWSG-TV Channel 57, now WPSG, for two years, 83 to 85. Oh, wow. I, I, I did not know that because, uh, you know, like you know, I, my family owned a house um, down the shore, yep. know, South Jersey, and mm-hmm. we had Philly 57 for, for a while down there, some of the Philly channels. I, I remember that channel. Yeah, a couple of years they had the shows. uh huh. Predated your fandom, though. Predates, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the program consisted primarily of theatrically released motion pictures, although it was better known for its telecast of sporting events. Not surprisingly, Philadelphia ones. Uh, the Major League Baseball, NHL, and NBA teams, the Phillies, the Flyers, and um, the 76ers all had games on. Uh, due to broadcasting restrictions imposed by the three major sports, as a cable channel, the network limited its distribution to within 125 miles of Philadelphia proper, uh, covering an area extending from west of Harrisburg and as far north as Scranton. So a good part of the state. Oh, yeah. It launched on my birthday, September 1st, at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 1976. So I was minus four, celebrating my negative fourth birthday that year. Um, and... It got started, like we said, with the sports. It was founded by Edward M. Snyder, the owner of the Flyers, uh, the NHL team, and uh, Spectator, uh, who is the co-owner of prison as well. Now, when I was at the last event in the Spectrum, I sat right in front of Ed Snyder's box. Um, So the Snyder family was right behind me. And um, when we were watching, like, the video that they played on the big screen before, right before Pearl Jam took the stage, you could see them watching and reliving the memories. Um, and Mr. Snyder passed away on April 11th, uh, 2016, at the age of 83. God bless him. So about seven years after. Uh, I was there with him that night. Um, What else about this network? Like I said, what differentiated them from other subscription television services um, was that it broadcast exclusive and extensive the sports coverage. Now, um, I don't want to cut you off, but it's this is a premium channel, so it's not like... Yeah, you got to buy Jersey, it on your cable network. You like know? New Jersey and New York, we just had MSG Network alongside of TBS and USA and MTV. It was just regular basic cable. So yeah, no, this was lived, probably mostly in the extra tier. Yeah, so even if you lived over there... You know, in that area, South Jersey, Camden, Philly, whatever, uh, you know, you might not have seen these because you might not have, ha- you know, wanted to pay the parents, your parents didn't pay the subscription, you know, just for a monthly wrestling show. Although, or generally like speaking, HBO. probably if they're big sports fans, your parents, they're going to True. pay like out the money. Channel. Yeah. Sports Channel was uh, up on premium. Um, in 83, uh, they switched owners. Um, there were some people in New England who had part owners, and uh, the network ran um, until 1997. Um, it had a sister channel, Sports Channel Philadelphia. October 1st, 1997, 24 years ago is when it was replaced by NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, which still exists today. Uh, that's the regional sports network in Philadelphia now, and they carry... 
um, you know, the rights holders locally now of things like the Flyers and 76ers and Phillies and things like that. Um, gotcha. But yeah, and even in the article here, it's interesting uh, that they mentioned that one of the jewels, one of the things they sold people on was the wrestling. Um, you know, that not only did they have the Flyers, the, the Flyers, Phillies, and 76ers, they also had the Big Five College Basketball, which is the five uh, colleges in Philadelphia that have D1 basketball. Um, so we're talking Villanova. Uh, we're talking Penn, Temple, St. Joseph's, and LaSalle are the five. I think I have that right off the top of my head. That seems pretty good. Um, and then, of course, besides the Big Five basketball, they have live boxing and the World Wrestling Federation events held in the spectrum. Uh, the venue itself, lending to the channel's tongue-in-cheek naming as viewing Prism, allowed to see the spectrum, um, which is pretty pretty cool there. Um they also did original sports-based programming, uh, Broad and Patterson, named after the South Philadelphia intersection where it was located, the Great Sports Debate, um, the Sports Scrapbook Show. Uh, so they did some original sports programming as well. You know, I'm sure if it was around once, it's the kind of network that during the day would have, you know, like the sports radio simulcast on it or something like that. So. Kind of a cool network, a little bit of background there. Again, like I said, it was replaced in 97 by a bigger regional sports network, uh, the NBC one, yeah. which currently has the rights to everything out there. Yeah, I'm intrigued that it went that far in 97 because they stopped showing the wrestling in uh, February of 89 was was the last one. I believe it was a Hogan-Bossman match or right around that time of, of uh, that feud. And that, that was it. I think, I think it was Vince that was pulling these. Uh, yeah. Cause it once, started once to the contracts, yeah. Once the, the contracts ran out, even, even when MSG contracts ran out, you know, they, they probably wanted to renew them, but uh, no, you know what I mean? When, once the, you know, company wasn't on fire anymore, you know, you can't, because, because, because it worked. My parents just tell me, you know, why will we go to Madison square garden and deal with all the traffic and all those people when it's on TV and you go right here to Meadowlands and it's not on TV. Exactly. Usually. Yep. And it made sense. It made sense to a seven-year-old. Like, yeah, I want to go to the one that I can't see. You know. Yeah. Hey. Makes sense to me. I'm just Absolutely. jealous. You got to live in an area that had it. Um, yeah, man. All right. Uh, this is your time now, Dave. I'm going to turn it over to you. That's the prism we talked about. The adorable one. Uh, now it's time for the adorable one on this show. The adorable Dave Rollins. The adorable Dave yeah, Rollins. You know, take that, over. That, that that name may have been. Uh, you know, lingering around here and there in Kearney, New Jersey at one time or another. But we'll leave that up to your imagination. Your imagination's at home. Oh, uh, uh, let's get us. A... <laughs> that's for the private that's for the private memories of Dave and Joey. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> okay, here we are. Uh what am I doing here? Excuse me one second. Hulk on oh, tour. Yeah. July of nineteen eighty six. I'm vamping. Hold on, I got, the, I got the wrong paper here. Oh, Dave's fucking up bad. Sorry, I ain't added shit. I got enough work. No, I got, I got, I, I'm going to need a minute to leave the room. Sorry. All right, what well, I, I got something I want to discuss with the All listeners right. privately then. Please leave. All right, now that he's gone, thank God. Uh, I want to thank everyone for sticking with us this first year. Um, really, I have nothing to say. Uh, I did get a book in the mail today uh, called Tinderbox by James Andrew Miller. HBO's Ruthless Pursuit of the New Frontiers. Uh, and it's like 900 pages, and I'm wondering why the hell I asked to read it. 
Like, why do I want to read a 900-page book about HBO? I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, Dave, are you back? I'm back, brother. Right. Someone just uh, shuffled up my notes here. I was about to read you uh, some Big John Studd notes from 1984. Uh, my apologies to our listeners out there. We are back with the correct July of 1986 Hulk Hogan notes. Hulk Hogan on the road. Here we go. July 5th, 1986. Speaking of uh, cable networks, Showtime airs WrestleMania 2 in its entirety from 9 p.m. to midnight. That's a kind of cool little tidbit there. Uh, July 11th, 1986, the Rosemont Horizon, Chicago, suburban Chicago, in front of 17,000, a big sellout. Hulkster Hulk Hogan goes over the magnificent one, Don Morocco. July 17th, in Hollywood Dave Rollins' backyard at the Meadowlands, Hulk Hogan over the adorable Adrian Adonis by Countout. July 18th, Richfield, Ohio, the Richfield Coliseum in front of 8,500, Hulk Hogan over King Kong Bundy by disqualification. Uh, then Saturday, July 19th, is the championship wrestling airing of the big turn. Mr. Wonderful turns, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Benedict Arnold, turns on Hulk Hogan. Now, remember, that was taped back at the end of June in Poughkeepsie, New York, but it aired on this Saturday, July 19th. And on this same night, are you ready for this, listeners? The same night, July 19th, the WWF debuts in the Pontiac Silverdome. In Pontiac, Michigan. A lot of people don't know. They ran shows here before WrestleMania 3 and after. And guess the attendance, Steve. Okay. Take a guess. Uh, for what, Marina? The Pontiac Silverdome. Oh, I know it was 9,000. Close. Only 5,000 people there okay. to see Hulk Hogan over the magnificent Morocco. Uh, that changed, huh? The attendance there kind of yeah, went up. Yeah, boosted it? that. I'm sure it was the, obviously not the full arena configuration. Though. No, no. Yeah. And that's because uh, they were also running shows. I, I don't know how far away it is, Joe Louis Arena. We actually have one coming up right here in my report. So they were just so hitting all the places. Yeah, they, they, they didn't do the full configuration. Well, I'm sure they did a configuration for 15000 It was still a little light. You know, I'll admit it when it's here. Uh, July 22nd. I don't know how to speak, uh, pronounce this uh, city in North Dakota. I mean, you can help me. Minute? Min- minute? M-I-N-O-T, North Dakota. I never knew how to spell uh, that. I think it's I mean, who pronounced. cares, I think it is. I'm not sure. Who, who cares now, yeah. North Dakota, at the State Fair, the first ever match between Hulk Hogan and the mighty Hercules Hernandez. Hogan, win, Hogan wins that one. Hercules still in his, like, Roman gear, you know, that outfit he would wear with the long hair and stuff at this point, managed by Freddie Blassie still. July 25th, Baltimore Arena. Hogan over the adorable one, Adrian Adonis, inside a steel cage. Pretty cool to see those two going at it in the cage. Adonis probably bumping around like a maniac. Then we're on to our show, July 26th, Philadelphia at the Spectrum. 9,000, half house. Uh, Sometimes those summer shows, uh, Saturday nights in Philly, could be a little light. Hulk was at the Spectrum a lot in 86. Uh, Hogan uh, and Adonis will, will break down that match in full. Very shortly here on the show. And then one more, like I said before, Detroit. Joe Louis Arena in front of 12,000 fans. Hogan over Adrian Adonis. That's it. That's it. Light month. Summertime. Little light. Well, Dave, you have done your duty. Light work today. And that means yeah, we're done. See, I, I lost the uh, the notes on purpose to make it go a little longer. <laughs> see, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Let's take a break. We're going to Buying come- time. We're gonna, Buying time, brother. We're going to come back with uh, the C-Block 
uh, which is going to feature the breakdown of the card, the Hogan match, our grades, uh, and uh, then we'll be back for the D block, and Paula Bennett will join us. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> what are you doing to me, rock and roll star Jimmy Hart? I've got to get you ready for adorable Adrian. Let me tell you something, Hulk Hogan, baby. No guts, no glory. No guts, no glory. Just remember that. And right now, here's America's favorite sweetheart, adorable Adrian. <laughs> Hello, adorable one. <laughs> That's what I say about a lot of things. That's what I say about Philadelphia. That's what I say about the state of I'll New Jersey. Nice. That's what I say about all individuals that have to live in this swamp, this cesspool of a place. Well, I'm going to show you people something tonight that's never been seen before. I'm going to show you a six foot eight, 300-pound man cry in the corner. You know how I'm going to do it? I'm not going to take his candy away from him. No, I'm not going to take his lunch money. I'm going to slap him around in front of all you scumbags, you ignoramuses, and all you freeloaders, and all you armchair quarterbacks, and people you think that you know about the sport of wrestling, which you know nothing about. I all remember your fathers sitting on the mat there taking pictures of your kid while they're getting pinned on their back, shoving them in every sport they can. Well, that reminds me of Hulk Hogan, but Hulk Hogan's different. He's got guts, he's got a little class, and he's got 22-inch arms, and get your hands off me, and he talks and he walks and does exactly what he wants, but I'm still going to make him cry. And I said before, I ain't going to steal his lunch money, and I ain't going to take his candy away, but I am going to take that world championship belt. Oh, oh, everybody says, oh, Adrian. Well, that's right. And it's no brag, it's just fact, Jack, and I'm going to do it with the marquee says. You know what the marquee says, Cal? What? It says wrestling difficult question but it says wrestling and that's what I do best I do it better than anybody else if you don't believe me just ask me even when I'm lying I'm telling the truth and by God tonight I'm gonna show everybody in the spectrum all you idiots absolute idiots what talent it is all about and I've got it and how do you spell wrestling Jimmy? capital A-D-O-N-I-S that's, that's how you all spell I want to talk to myself <laughs> myself I'm getting psyched I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the commode all night and I'm just gonna listen to that water running and it's gonna work me up into a frenzy all right, those are big words. Let's see if you can back it up in the ring. And now, Vince McMahon. 24 inch podcast back to the C block, as we call it, which is the busiest of the four blocks around here because we have to rate the matches from the card we have to go over the card we have to go match by match we have to go blow by blow from hulk and before we can do any of that dave we gotta read the news July 2nd, Major League Baseball, Boston Red Sox pitcher, uh, suffers his first loss of the season, 4-2 versus Toronto. Big deal, Steve. Well, he was one win short of the AL record for consecutive wins to start a season, which was 15. He was 14-0. Dave, who was this uber-famous pitcher? On the tip of my tongue, brother. I know it. I know it. I know it. Oh, Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens. Yeah, I would have. Yes, I would have yes, had to strangle great, you if you didn't get that. Great, one. Roger Clemens. Yes, that was an easy one. All right. Uh, moving on here, July third, U.S. President Ronald Reagan uh, presides over the relighting of the renovated Statue of Liberty. 
Oh, was this the time where remember they had like the uh the big cage around her yep. all the time on the Yeah, news I always and remember seeing like the that. pictures of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, me- I remember that sitting in my living room uh, watching like why uh, mom dad why is why is there uh you know a, ca- a steel cage around the Statue of Liberty <laughs> Hogan and Hogan and Bundy going to be climbing Bundy, up the yeah. You know, I'm 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 making the joke saying that but I very well have may have said that back in 1986. <laughs> Actually, I probably did. I just can't say for sure. July 4th, Farm Aid 2 benefit concert held in Manor, Texas. Uh, performers included Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Waylon Jennings, Bob Dylan, The Beach Boys, Nicolette Larson, Los Lobos, and Steve Earle. A good bill, guys I respect, but I don't think I would have spent a day in Manor, Texas for this one. Yeah, Beach Boys is cool. Is this, you think this is pre-John Stamos? I do. I think that was closer to the 90s. Because Full House didn't come out. I think out that was after Kokomo, which was what, like 88, right? Because that was in Cocktail. 89. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the Kokomo when they had that resurgence yeah. with that song. Good song. Yeah, and then Full House was Full House came out in 87, but didn't really catch on to like 89. Like really, you know, the number one, you know, TJF show, whatever you want to call it. So you know, that was sure. no John Stamos. But the, when, when you want to say aid, it's the live aid from 85 of Queen, right? That we all remember a little more right. than Farm Aid. July 5th, Wimbledon Tennis, Dave. Uh, Hannah Mandikova loses 7-6-6-3 to a legend, a monster in tennis and in culture. A seven-time Wimbledon singles title. Dave, give me that, lady. Well, I know it's not Steffi Graf because she seems in our A little bit before her. A little bit before, yeah. So she might have been a bit young here. So I'm going to go with the person named I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Martina Navratilova. Oh, that was going to be my second guess. Good Stern show guest, too. Uh, All right. July show 5th. Her boob, show her boobs or anything like that? No, but Howard would always bust Robin's balls that, how, that Robin was attracted to her and stuff. Uh, no. July 5th, Nancy Reagan cuts a red, white, and blue ribbon to reopen the Statue of Liberty after the refurbishment. So we got Ronnie lighting the torch and Nancy... Uh, cutting the ribbon. Yeah, very dear, close, personal, longtime friend of mine, Nancy Reagan. Uh, the guys at my job, uh, there's a picture like in a locker room where some of the roads department, where you know I work for Hudson County, you know, roads department, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I guess one of the guys there trying to say he looked like Mr. T, so it had his <laughs> name over it. Uh, and the famous picture other... of him and Nancy. Yeah, with yeah. the Mr. T doll yeah. sitting on his lap, and he had like some other old lady that worked there named over Nancy Reagan. That's so funny. that's in the past five years when I think of Nancy Reagan. Uh, that sticks out, and of course the big "say no to drugs" deal on Different Strokes, one of my all-time favorite shows. Yeah, yeah, good episode too. Love Nancy. Uh, July sixth, the one hundredth Wimbledon men's side. Another pair of famous '80s tennis players. Avon Lendl's on the losing end, six four, six three, seven five. So this two-time in a row defending champion from Germany. Who was that tennis player, Dave? Oof. Now, this can't be Steffi Graf because this is a dude. Ain't got some initials for me or anything or any kind uh, of... Yeah, it's double Bs. B-B. Double Bs. So not like Robin, who would be double Ds. These is double right. Bs. Double Bs. Nikolai, I mean, Boris Becker? Boris Becker. You pulled that one out of your A-hole. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and to clarify on Steffi Graf, she did win her first major... Uh, in 1985, but she didn't win, or excuse me, 1987. She didn't win her first Wimbledon until 88, so two years from now. Okay. Uh, it is her first Wimbledon. 
She won in 88, 89, 91, 92, 93, 95, and 96. I'm up on my Steffi Graf. You are. All right, what else do we got? July 7th, Soviet general and spy for the U.S., Dmitry Polyakov, was arrested in retirement in Russia, and they executed him for his betrayal of Mother Russia in 1988. Speaking of Nikolai, the same thing happened to him in 1990. That's right. Luckily, they were not able to assassinate him due to his friendship with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who protected him yeah, see- with the 2 by 4 he was just eliminated from Survivor Series 1990. That, that was his punishment. July 8th, NASA establishes the safety, reliability, maintain, and quality assurance. Uh, maybe potentially as a, you know, a uh, tip of the cap to the tragedy happened in 85. Or was it 86? 86. Um, what else do we got? July 11th, Mary Beth Whitehead, Christian's, Christian's surrogate baby, M. Sarah. Christens? Christens. There. I don't know what the hell Christens. they're talking about. Yeah, Christens. Huh. Like they had their baptism. Yes. Uh, July 12th, Stephen McDonald, New York City Police Department patrolman, is shot and paralyzed by Shavid Jones. Terrible. Uh, July 14th, 10 are killed and 60 injured at an ETA bombing attack in Madrid, Spain. A big one here, tragedy and rock and roll. Hit close to the home of my man, Hollywood. Motley Crue's Vince Neil begins a 30-day sentence for a vehicular homicide. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but I always thought that was a little earlier than 86. Are they right on this one? You know, I did as well, man, because I always thought it coincided with the release of Theater of Pain because the release of Theater of Pain was June 85 and the tour started then. So I always thought, you know, the incident happened, the accident, in December 84. That same day, like we said, July 4th is a sad day in professional wrestling. Same thing, I believe, it was December 8th because it was the same day as Lennon. John Lennon was yeah. killed and Dimebag Daryl. Mm. And Vince Neil's action with, with uh, Nicholas, Ring, uh, you know, with, with Razzle, Nicholas Razzle Dingley. And all on that same date. And it was December of 84. But I don't know. You know what I mean? I always, I always thought in my head that, that it was all said and done. He only did 15 or 30 days, as Vince says, behind the music. You know, yeah, it was the OJ of the 80s, bought my way out of prison. And, um, yeah, he, uh, I guess, I mean, this July 86, the theater of pain tour was done. So it's not like they're, they're saying this date was in the middle of the tour and I could just debunk it and say, oh, no way they were in, you know, the Joe Louis arena that night. There's no way he was starting his sentence, but the tour was over by this time. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'm just. Not remembering, I haven't really looked looked into it. I, obviously, I wasn't a Motley Crue fan until uh, 1989, so I didn't live it as the you know the news was coming out and stuff like that to to be stapled into my brain. But I just, if somebody would have asked me on the street, I would have said no. He he did that sentence before everything Theater of Pain happened because even in the just dirt, goes to even show like, how slow the wheels of justice turn. You know, that's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, thinking about it now, December 84, if they're starting up in June, it probably wasn't done yet. So, you know, this could be correct. I just don't know. July 14, Richard Miller becomes the first FBI agent convicted of espionage. So spies on both sides of the Cold War. Uh, now, is that, is that the uh, where New York and New Jersey and the Sopranos were working on that as an espionage? 
I'm thinking of. <laughs> that's the Esplanade. 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 What else we got? July 15th, the 57th Major League Baseball All-Star Game is won by the AL at the Astrodome in Houston. And the MVP, Dave, an American League pitcher. Well, can I just still go with Roger Clemens? You can, and he was. Uh, the so MVP. That's a lucky, lucky there. <laughs> a running joke of the '80s and '90s is uh, established and 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 really added to on July 17th, the 13th annual Daytime Emmy Awards. This actress lost for the seventh time. Dave, who was that actress? Tell the listeners. Not a clue in the world. Susan Lucci. You didn't know that. That Susan Lucci oh, always won the Emmys. No. Oh, I knew. I that. know. I know the name. I know who she is. She's famous for losing. All, no, that's what she's famous for. Yeah, she's yeah a I, soap, I, I, soap star who always lost the Emmy. She did win it eventually. I know who she is, but I don't know anything about the Emmys kind of thing. Uh, July eighteenth, a videotape is released showing the Titanic sunken remains. Wow, is that starring Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, no, no, this was a different film. Same result though; the boat sinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, July nineteenth, Tim Witherspoon KOs Frank Bruno. In the 11th for a heavyweight boxing title as we're getting ready for the era of yeah. Tyson here. And Frank Bruno's in boxing, he has like the English accent. Yes. I think of the right guy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, July 20th, British Open men's golf. Uh, Greg Norman wins his first major championship. The Shark at even par, five strokes clear of the runner up. Uh, really famous uh, rock and roll group, the Gordon J brand. Uh, mm. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here in July? Uh, July 24th, a San Francisco federal jury convicts Navy radio man Jerry Withorf of espionage. Man, lots of espionage here in the yeah, Cold man. War. The Cold War is really heating up. Spies on both sides. Spies like us. Uh, July 27th, the 73rd Tour de France is won by famous U.S. cycler. Cycler, a cycler. There's basically you mean someone that rides a bike. There's basically two I know: this guy and the other guy. I know two. Pee Herman's a good guess. Yeah, Gre- Greg Lamond. Greg Lamond. Oh. Uh, okay, later, a Megadeth song was written about him. A Tulamon. Really? Yeah. A Tulamon. You know that one from? Uh, uh yeah, not really. <laughs> uh, what's that album? Uh, Symphony uh, of Destruction. Countdown to Extinction. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. What else do we so have? Actually, then I, I do I. I had that album. I just I must know the song. I just don't. That's one the of their. It was one of their hits. Yeah, ninety like two. Uh, July 29th, New York jury rules NFL violated antitrust laws and awards the USFL one dollar in damages. This is a famous subplot of the uh, book by Jeff Perlman called "Football for a Buck." That's where he gets the name about the USHL and talks about Donald Trump's role um, in this trial and how it became a dollar. Interesting story to look up on if you're interested mm. in football or Trump and his history in New York business. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Interesting story there. And then July 31st, the 19th San Diego Comic Con opens at the hotel in San Diego, which I bring up to remind everyone that the 24-inch podcast will be live at 80s Wrestling Con on May 7th. Our version of the Comic-Con. And that, that blows my mind that the Comic-Cons went back that far. I guess they weren't that big. And was 19 right? years old. But this is... Yeah, yeah. This that is really the original, though, mind. I guess. Like, this is what all the other ones morphed out of, right? These got, these had to be really big-time dorks back then. Or the opposite. 
maybe not so much. No, maybe I it's think like they're their big time dorks. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like maybe it was then the dorks like were wrestling. It was kind of cool, like wrestling in the eighties, and then in the Attitude Era, then the dorks just took us over. Yeah, no, it was you know what I mean. It was dorks. All right, Tom Dave. Dave dorks. That's the news for July of nineteen eighty-six. Very fun. All right. Speaking of July of eighty-six, a warm summer's night. July 26th, 1986, the WWF is live at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, 9,000 in attendance. Of course, it's live on the Prism Network, maybe many opting to stay home, sit on the back porch with a Corona and watch it on the TV at the deck. Or, you know, maybe uh, going north and going down the Jersey Shore. A Phillies game, maybe the Phillies are at home. But still, 9,000 is is not a bad bad house, you know. Nothing to see Dick Graham and Gorilla Monsoon are on the call. Frank Talent and Mel Phillips share the ring announcing duties. You know, before we keep going, I mean, everybody jokes about. I mean, we talked about Dick Graham uh, when we did the stud episode of uh, the Spectrum in 1984. You know, him and also uh, the other guy, Cal Rudman, who's in the back, and he's always a big time creeper doing the interviews. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a bit. One thing I got to say about those guys, obviously, they didn't follow the week week to week happenings in the World Wrestling Federation. But they always seemed very excited, very happy to be there in a jovial mood all the time. And Dick Graham was there from the beginning, I think, in those late 70s and never missed a show. And, you know, never seemed like he didn't want to be there or anything. So I just want to put him over a little bit. Very good. Nice little touch there. All right. Well, we start off with a good opener. Uh, Hercules Hernandez still sporting the WrestleMania 2 look. uh, Yeah, the LJN. Yeah. Uh, versus Leap and Lanny Poffo, who's got the Frisbees and a Pone for us. Uh, Hercules is the winner, nine minutes and eight seconds in. Uh, Poffo Papo popped Paula twice uh, with his mm-hmm. athleticism. She was really impressed with some of the flips and stuff he was able to do in the ring. Uh, there was a long rest hold by Herc that I thought killed the momentum a little bit, and I thought it was a weak and abrupt finish, but it was an okay match and kind of a good... The guys knew their role. It was a good first match. Crowd's rolling in. I always like Leaping Lanny um, for what he does and brings. Uh, and Hercules ends up going over and looking like a strong heel and potentially an intercontinental threat later in the year. Sure. Yeah. I like how you mentioned that You know, he was wearing the LJN-style uh, Roman gear still, uh, the long hair still, and he's fighting Pafo here. Uh, his first match after Slick and Bobby Heenan went to the bank. Where is my money? money. That big exchange. Yep. Yeah. His first match with Heenan as new manager with his new haircut and without the you know Roman garb, whatever you want to call it, was on Superstars against none other than Leaping Lanny Poffo. Leaping and, Lanny. And I'll never forget this match because um, at the end of Poffo's poem, he said, looked over to Jesse commentating because the, the commentators were still in the arena in 86. And, you know, they weren't in stamp, you know, back right. in Stanford. No it. green screen. And, exactly. And he said, that ought to make Ventura flip his wig. And Jesse just lost his mind. I hope <laughs> Hercules destroys this cream puff Poffo. And just, just a great squash. Poffo got a little offense in. Just a great, that squash match, you know, you could, you could do this match. In three minutes, and it's so much better than ten minutes. Yeah, you, you take the I mean? rest you know, hold out of it. And... Take it all out, and if you give any, and listeners go back, I, I believe it's November first ish, eighth ish, November eighth ish, maybe nineteen eighty six. Uh, Popo against Hercules on Superstars of Wrestling. 
Uh, we go to the back. Tito's in the back. He's our first interview of the day, and he's shooting on the ace uh, and Piper. Uh, Tito, of course, one of Dave's favorites. Mm. Uh, and he opens up. Got a doubt. We've seen him tomorrow night, actually. Yeah, he opens up versus Cowboy Ace Orton, and they go the 20-minute draw. Dave, do you want to guess how many of the 20 minutes they wrestled? Okay. Uh, wow, it felt definitely felt like a long match. I was really into it. Uh 1809? Really, really close. 1822. No shit. That, uh, that was just right off my head. Uh, a Chico, you're washed up sign was in the crowd, which made me I did. I saw, I saw that as well. <laughs> I saw that as well. It's pretty cool. I thought it was a really good stiff battle. I thought both guys worked their ass off. I will say it was one of those matches that maybe at the seven-minute mark, you're like, okay, they're going to a draw here. You, yeah, yes. Yeah, I thought the exact you know, same thing. You just and thought, they did. If not a double count out, it's going to yeah. be time limit. Yeah. Yeah. What did these guys? It, it seems like this seemed real almost. You know, we yeah, know I thought it was so really much. stiff, really and, stiff. And Orton took a, a soda cup, a wax soda cup, soda cup. Uh, I said soda by accident. I don't speak like that. I'm from New York, New Jersey. Soda cup, <laughs> and and uh, and wrapped it up and made a point out of it. Like it, those could hurt. It was gouging it into Tito's eyes, like. You think of something so silly like a wax soda cup, but you could get a point out of that. Like yeah. these guys go going for anything. They were get beating the shit on. out of each other for Beat, sure. Oh, they're all like, it's not like there's no pretty blue mats out there, you know, outside the uh, ring. This is like a dirty floor, rolling all over it. It just looked like a good fight, and this this is definitely a perfect match for Gorilla main event in anywhere in the country. Anywhere, uh, yeah, you know, and, and it uh, kind of feels like a match they would show on prime time as like the. Uh, you know, the feature match tonight. Yeah, know. I don't have the info here, but um, they probably did. Yeah. They probably did around this time. And, yeah, well, what a match. What two, two, two of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, in my opinion, right there. Very good. Uh, next is Cousin Luke versus Harley Race. Uh, they go seven minutes and 16 seconds. I thought it was kind of a huge step down in quality, obviously, when you have, like you said, two of the best of all time. And then you have Harley Race, who is in that category, but Cousin Luke is not. Yeah, um, or Gene Gene Pettit. He's from he passed away uh, five or ten years ago. But he's from uh, my area here in New Jersey. I as wrote, well, uh, cousin Luke. I wrote it's kind of like the New York Yankees playing the Staten Island Yankees. Um, race with a beautiful standing suplex on Luke, though really really nice, uh, and he looked impressive. I thought, despite uh, a dangerous looking perfect box at the end for the win, kind of looked like cousin Luke took a lot of. Took that one on the noggin, but uh, seven minutes and sixteen seconds they went. Holly Race yeah. goes over as you'd expect, and it was fine um, for as limited as Cousin Luke is. I thought Holly Race got a decent seven minutes out of him. And um, you know, you know, it's going to be a showcase for Harley. I think it's cooler that he worked with Cousin Luke instead of like working with like a Jerry Allen. You know what I mean? He's working with a gimmick guy to get the crowd, you know, a little more into it, a little more mad at Harley for beating up on one of the hillbillies. Cousin Luke got the big hillbilly gym entrance with the "Don't go messing with a country boy." Yep. And this 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 is uh this is the tail end of uh the hillbillies because they were on their way out. I mean, not hillbilly gym. I mean, you know, the family members, right? Luke uh, and Elmer nope. and all that. Yeah, they were all gone. This Luke was the last one. Last one left. Junior was gone. Elmer was gone by this time. So uh, this is, I think, uh, you know, may, uh, Luke leaked into the fall a little bit, but then uh, sayonara for uh, the great hillbilly cousin Luke. Rest this, in peace. This is interesting. I thought the next match is a heel versus heel tag team match with the winner getting a title match against the British Bulldogs the next month. 
Um, so Sheik and Volkoff versus Jimmy Jack Funk and Hoss Funk with Jimmy Hart. Um, a rare heel versus heel tag team match for the time. I mentioned interesting to see them kind of working on selling the next gate already. Uh, here, there was a yeah. great chaos. Um, Jimmy Hart accidentally hits the wrong guy with the megaphone. And Sheik and Volkoff go over at 729 yeah. and will face the Bulldogs in August. Now, I have a lot to say about this. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Sheik and Nikolai obviously were the ones working heel at first. But Dory and or Hoss and uh, Jimmy Jack have their manager. And Slick wasn't, or Blassie, Slick and Blassie weren't there. Right. So obviously the ones with the heel manager should might be, be the heels. Yeah, yeah. So I think it kind of flipped because the ending, the Sheik wins on a baby face ending. Right. He, he, Dory's, it's Dory Funk. Fuck Hoss. The guy's name is Dory Funk. He's <laughs> holding uh, Sheik back and Sheik ducks out of the way and Jimmy Hart hits. Dory with the megaphone. That's and she covers real quick. One, two, three. The crowd cheers. That's a baby. She's a baby face there. Unbelievable. Like that. That could be answered a trivia question. I know they started booing them eventually, but just for right there, when when uh, when Dory ducked. Uh, I mean, when she ducked and he hit Dory, the crowd popped. Yeah, it was over. That would be like Brunzel yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? Sure. It was over. Now they they were doing this at the time. They had a heart foundation. Versus Sheik and Volkov match in the Boston Garden around this time. I can't remember who went. I think Sheik and Volkov also went over there in that match, and I can't remember who had their manager and who one had their manager and one didn't. And I think Anvil got tripped. Yeah, must Slick must have been there because Anvil got tripped up and Sheik fell on top. So the Hearts played the the faces for that match in Boston. I'm not a hundred percent certain because I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure. sure. So they must've been, they must've been doing these uh, around the horn, but that blew me away. The finish to this, like, when I saw it, like, Oh, of course she can Nikolai gotta be the heels. Then I saw no slick or Blassie. And I, then I saw Jimmy and I said, I don't know, but how could you make Nikolai and, and Sheik the faces? They weren't, but the finish they were. And they pulled it off. Pulled it off. Pretty good. Uh, we go to the back, and it's an interview with Don Morocco about the dog collar match coming up. I was surprised, for whatever reason, that we'd get this kind of match on this show. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no angle on TV yeah. with dog and, and, and Morocco. It's Junkyard Dog versus Morocco in a dog collar match. Uh, and Gorilla says this is the first dog collar match ever in PA. I didn't fact check him on that, but that's what he says. Uh, JYD is over huge here, and so is the match, really. Uh, but the chain breaks early, and uh, Morocco beats and chokes JYD with it. Uh, but cleverly, the JYD ties the, the chain around his hand and catches Don coming off the top rope and knocks him out for the one, two, three, kind of out of nowhere. And it's a little shorter than you'd think it would be. Fuji comes in and hits JYD with the cane, but uh, they're chased off. And in 609, a brisk 609, um, Gorilla, or excuse me, the junkyard dog, Beats Morocco. I'll say they didn't wear their welcome out. I could have probably enjoyed this for a minute or two more. Um, and it was a little bit of an abrupt, out of nowhere finish. But really smart thinking by JYD, who was super over. Uh, and him and the kids are in the ring dancing. And Paula asked me if when we go to the matches, if JYD is there, can she go in the ring and dance with him? And I said yes. Hmm. So. No, I w- we wish, right? Yep. That would be fantastic. So but, the, uh, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of it. 
only because I want to know why they're having a dog collar match. Something may have happened in the June card of the Spectrum. I have to go back and look. I mean, this is not MSG Network, so I didn't see all these in real time. I don't know what the reason is for it. Why not? Why aren't they just having a regular one-on-one match? There must be some uh, blood feud here for some reason. I know Cal Rudman did that interview with Morocco before it. <laughs> they were just talking like two buddies in the bar that haven't seen each other in a while. This guy, Cal Rudman, is just like, he was shooting, like doing a podcast. Like yep. now, yep. with Don Morocco, back then in 86. Morocco leaves, he goes, I love you to death. You know, it's like, <laughs> dude, he's a heel. But I love that shit. I love it that these shows are so weird, but it makes them so, like, quaint and, and cool, you know, that, that this has happened. You could tell that, that Rudman enjoyed seeing Morocco every month or every couple of months, whatever, at the Spectrum. And, you know, he, he was very fond of him. And, you know, Vince wasn't watching these. There's not a chance right. in the world. God damn it! What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Get the, uh, there's not a chance in the world. Even Dick Graham, who wasn't that bad. But sometimes Dick Graham would even be like, yeah, Iron Sheik. I saw him and his wife in the back today. We were talking. <laughs> yeah. We haven't seen each other. In a, he hasn't yeah. been here in a couple of months, you know? You know? <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. But, yeah, I would like to know what was the reason for the dog collar match. I don't know if they ran, ran a, an angle in-house. See, to me, the uh, reason is to ago. have the first ever one in PA. So that I just ex I accepted that as the reason. Yeah. Um. Again, I didn't fact check it. There might have been 30 yeah, but some of big, them Maybe, maybe Lucas Calhoun, who... who uh, yeah, you know, Lucas. Uh, requests, he may know. He's Maybe he probably knows. a prism guy. He, he may have known uh, what happened uh, in Philly the, pro uh, the prior month uh, to cause uh, this, this heat here between the dog and the magnificent one. Well, speaking of dogs, um, Spivey versus Rotunda uh, versus the Moondogs goes 20 excruciating minutes. Mm. was way too long. And I'll just say right now, uh, the U.S. Express is not the same team without Wyndham. This was in the era where Vince thought he could replace performers with other performers that sort of look like that performer, right? Like Snooko was replaced. Stevie uh, Afi. Corporal uh, Kirshner. Yeah, things like that. And it just doesn't work. And, and this match is just way too long. Um, the crowd taps out on this one, and so did I. I this is the only match of the so the card that I fast forward ahead a little bit. I maybe watched 11 of the 20 minutes, and that was still too long. Uh, Spivey and Rotunda inevitably win. Um, the Moon Dogs are on their way out. Uh, one of the Moon Dogs is about to not be in demolition, probably pretty tragically for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, this wasn't for me, Dave. Yeah, it's definitely the popcorn match. Uh, they probably went to intermi intermission after the big dog collar uh, match with Dog and, and Rocco. And um, this, uh, the Moondogs, Rex had been gone for a while. They, they just returned to TV not too long ago before this. And two weeks prior to this, they wrestled Hogan and Orndorff on TV right before the, remember Orndorff said, we have to get through the Moondogs before we get to Bundy and Stud. Yep. Or Orndorff did a turn on Hulk. So, yeah, they're they're coming off that. So, you know, they're, they've been in the spotlight a bit. And Rotunda actually just returned to the company. He had been gone since October 85. Uh, when Wyndham left, uh, Rotundo uh, disappeared shortly thereafter, I believe, went back to Florida. And uh, Spivey was wrestling in, like, those uh, furry boots that I call Hair Jordans for a while there in the yellow trunks. And then he ditched the Hair Jordans and got back into the U.S. Express look when Rotundo, uh, Rotundo, Rotunda, whatever you want to say, returned. Let's just call him IRS. Uh, to Syracuse the University. Pretty br briefly, yeah, Syracuse University. And, uh, yeah, this is just, you know, just that 
long tag team match to get on these house shows. At least the guys, you know, pretty much known names. You know, at least they weren't. It wasn't like, you know, two well, Moondogs are kind of jobbers. But you know what I mean. Well, next up, we're going to increase the uh, the star power uh, and the excitement a little bit as uh, George the Animal Steel will challenge uh, Randy hey! Savage for the Intercontinental title. Um, and there was, and I've always noticed this maybe a lot more in the post uh, something to wrestle era, maybe, because uh, this was a criticism that Pritchard had of Macho Man, and you see it being true when you watch some of these matches. All of the stalling at the beginning of the I match, I hated that shit. That's it tremendous. just went so on and on. Macho Man jumping in and out of the ring. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, supposed, it's supposed to piss you off, and it works very it. effectively. <laughs> yeah, but it, was, it might piss you off. Do you want to, you know, go get a beer or something eventually? Like, you know. If it was somebody other than Savage, maybe, because he's such a star, it's not going to make you go get a beer, but you get tired of it after a while. Yep, and there was, there was a lot of it. and uh, But this is a continuation, obviously, of the Beauty and the Beast feud. But, I mean, you know, you know, as much of a George Steele fan I am, I loved him as a kid, he can't do much in there. So the stalling, you know, maybe if he was in there with Tito or Steamboat, I mean, stolen like this it's be basically worse. like they got 10 minutes and they're going to run a five-minute match. Mm-hmm. So they have to fill the other five minutes, right? Yeah. Um, it's not much of a match, to be honest. Um, Macho goes at Gorilla outside. Uh, he plays games. He outsmarts George. Uh, he uses an object. George takes it over and gets DQ'd with it. Uh, it all happens pretty quickly once Macho Man actually gets in the ring. Uh, there's a fat red-headed kid in a Piper shirt. Uh, who comes in <laughs> yeah. to eat the turnbuckle? He reminded me kind of the kid from Bad Santa if he was a little bit older. Oh yeah, he looked like Harley Race too. The kid, kid yeah. from Bad Santa. What a movie there! <laughs> yeah, as I'm joking shit, here. Shit happens when you party naked. <laughs> Absolutely, that was a shirt he gave him at the end. What yeah. a movie! What a movie! But, uh, I saw that in a movie with a, a crazy girl. That's story for another time. And again, uh, this is a moment where Paula says that if she were brought into the ring. She would do a much better job eating the turnbuckles. Well, uh, they didn't, neither kid that came in was able to actually eat the turnbuckle. Or George, and it, it didn't look like <laughs> maybe they didn't look like uh, properly. Well, or yeah, but it didn't look like Rosebond Horizon turnbuckles. Look like the regular WWF ones. Maybe, maybe for some reason, maybe maybe Hogan and Adonis said, you know, don't be messing up my turnbuckles here. We need them for our main event. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess they would fix them real quick, but maybe without Vince there and stuff like that, that wasn't. You know, maybe you couldn't do it as quickly as you could do on Saturday's main event or something. I've seen a lot of George Steele, Randy Savage matches. Some are better than others. This would be in the others category. Yeah, well, you you, you kind of really need. I mean, I don't know how much Graham, Dick Graham, and Gorilla were pushing. You know, the story involved. They probably were, but I wasn't really being honest. I wasn't paying attention. But you're going to be watching on Saturday night's main event, and they're really you know pushing the story. Beauty and, and the Steamboat beast comes and, out, uh, and at least yeah, she's in the yeah. arms of someone who cares for her. Correct. You know, if it's just just thrown in there in, in the middle of a card, you know, it's it's, it's probably not going to be the Clash of Styles is going to be a little rough. But people don't people that weren't into wrestling at this time, and I I understand where they're coming from, but they have no idea how much we love George the Animal Steel. Kids oh, our yeah. age, we loved them. And hey, I love uh, yeah. some of the Randy Steel George Savage match or Randy Savage matches. This just isn't one that I. Yeah, like, I mean, my, uh, uncle, you know my uncle we, would like tell me I was only six years old. Still, he would like tell me 
you know, you, you, you're, you probably tell Paul stories. Like, he would tell stories, and, like, George the Animal Steel would sure. be in the story. Right. You know what I mean? There's, like, the lovable animal and stuff. But, but this guy was over. You know how in this show we raid Hulk matches relative to Hulk matches? So, George Steele, Randy Savage matches relative to George Steele, Randy Savage. This just isn't one of their better slow. ones. Slow. Right. Yeah, it's slow. Uh, next up, uh, Mel reads the returning card, including uh, the newly booked tag match of uh, Sheik and Volkov versus the British Bulldogs. Um, we go back, and Cal Rudman is with Adrian and Jimmy. Uh, Adrian goes hard at the crowd and calls them scumbags which I thought was uh, pretty funny. He says he's going to take Holt's belt, and I thought it was a great heel promo, a really good He's job. a nasty, nasty yeah. heel, Adrian. Nasty son of a bitch. Uh, and that leads us to Hulk Hogan versus Adrian Adonis uh, for the world title, Dave, and I am going to go blow by blow here. Hulk enters the ring uh, to Real American to a huge pop. 9,000 really loud people, I'll say that. We got Hulk in the American-made shirt with the white trunks. Um, again, a lot of stalling uh, pre-match. Uh, Adrian uh, wants to remove um, his boas and his scarfs, and Hogan's had enough. And Hogan grabs him by the scarfs, and Adrian bumps all over the ring. He's so good at it. Uh, Jimmy sprays the perfume in Hulk's eyes pretty early. Uh, and Adrian misses a knee drop from the middle rope and a punch. Uh, and Hulk springs up and tosses Adrian out to a huge pop again. Uh, Hogan drags Jimmy in and Adrian in and then smacks them around together. Uh, Adrian's tied up, uh, so Hogan takes a chance and gives Jimmy an atomic reverse atomic drop out of the ring. Uh, Adrian frees himself, cracks Hulk with the megaphone uh, to take advantage. Adrian thinks he gets the one, two, three, uh, but Hogan has a foot on the ropes, and you could hear a little bit of a gasp from the crowd yeah. who didn't see the foot, who thought Especially maybe... After a megaphone. Yeah, shot. I thought maybe Adrian had just won the title. Uh, the Hulk, the ref does do a good job of explaining what happened, though, I thought. Uh, Gorilla, made, Gorilla made mention that this wouldn't be the first time the title changed hands right here in Philadelphia. Uh, that's he didn't right. say who it was, but it was Stan Stasiak won his, uh, his world title there in uh, Philadelphia Spectrum. One of the shorter reigns, Stan Stasiak. Very short. Yep. Uh, Hogan rolls out, and Adrian follows him and hits Hogan with a chair. Uh, Hogan gets back in the ring, takes a suplex and a running punch. Adonis hits a second suplex and another really close three count. He gets about two and a third, two and two thirds. Adrian puts Hulk in a headlock and lets go. He goes to the top rope, but Hogan raises his knee and catches Adonis. Uh, Adonis lays some chops in, but Hulk starts hulking up. Uh, Hulk sends Adonis headfirst into the post. Uh, Hogan hits the high boot. Uh, Jimmy uh, goes to the top, but Hulk catches him and throws him into Adonis and then drops the leg for the one, two, three. Adonis KOs Mel Phillips out of the ring, uh, <laughs> and then we get the Hogan must pose portion of the night uh, to end a great night in uh, the spectrum. I really enjoyed this match. I love Adrian Adonis and the way he bumps around the ring. Uh, I thought they did a really good job uh, balancing the outside tomfoolery of jimmy they had a legitimate moment where the crowd thought the title was in danger and i think when i started watching the match i don't know if i believe that the title was in danger but they did a good job in that first five minutes of, of making you believe that okay maybe adrian can't beat hulk one-on-one -on -one, but adrian and jimmy on the outside and all that brings maybe hulk's in a little bit of trouble here 
So I thought they did a real good job booking it and making me, even as a 41-year-old man, um, re-watching this in Buffalo, New York, believe that Hulk was in trouble on this night. Uh, but ultimately, Hulkamania is just too much, uh, and Hogan outsmarts and gets the best of Adrian uh, and Jimmy. But Adrian does a great job, game for the main event, feels like a main eventer, um, 3.75 for me. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think a, uh, a big part of that gasp from the crowd after Hogan, uh, after uh, Adrian hit Hulk with the megaphone was because of... Now, if you look back at this in hindsight, you might say, and just look at this match, uh, Adrian Nonis, great wrestler, one of the best, you know, WrestleMania with Piper, tag team with Dick Murdoch, et cetera, et cetera. But he's not going to... No chance he's going to take the world title off Hulk Hogan. Right. But if you put yourself back in 1986 and you're watching TV at this time, those flower shops... He, Adrian was the one responsible for Orndorff turning on Hulk. He was a slimy, nasty heel. So those 9,000 people, supposedly, in the spectrum this night, you know, Adrian's going to do anything to win this title. And he's nasty and slimy. You know, he, he's the heel of the month right now. And, you know, it's very possible he could he could take this title off Hulk to people in, in 1986. You know, it's not Hulk. And it like was possible there. to me. Like I said, they, they Even sold now, me. Looking, yeah, they yeah, sold me yeah. on it. Yeah, and you know the match is good. Any Adrian Adonis match is going to be good. I like how they uh, get Jimmy Hart into the ring twice with it, and I also loved how Adrian came off the top rope with that big splash. Usually Hogan's the type of worker to roll out of the way. He Hulk. I don't know if I ever saw where Hulk raised the knees. Yeah, good. And the guy good hit. The, I don't think I've ever seen that in the Hulk match before. Really, where good Hulk spot. raised his knees and got him there. Uh, Hulk dropping the leg though. That's one of the weakest leg drops I ever saw. Hulk, maybe his backers. I don't think him. Adrian was in the best position. He was a little bit too close maybe to the ropes. I think is why. I also in the February fifth eighty eight match with Andre. Th- that's a weak leg drop too. Because usually Hulk, I always say like people, you know, people on the internet, oh leg drop. What kind of move is that? I'm like, dude, this is a three hundred pound man, six foot six, jumping as high as he can into the air, coming down with that leg. Because he Hulk gets up, he gets. He got some some ups on that, some height on that leg drop, but he but he didn't on this night for you know for whatever reason, like we said. But yeah, I went three and a half stars on it. You know, anything with Hulk and Adrian, uh, they did a run in the Meadowlands too, a couple matches. I just missed it in my fandom. I like I say, became a fan right round during this Hogan Orndorff uh, feud as as was starting here at this time, and uh, just one of the greats, the adorable Adrian Donis. Uh, thank you, uh, Lucas Calhoun, for. Uh, Requesting this one. Yeah, it's you interesting know? how often we're within a half a star or so of each other. Yeah. On these. Um, yeah, it took, at, fir- at first I was only going to give it three. Then I, I watched it a second time and, and picked up on a, a few, like the, the the raising of the knees. I never yeah, saw that. I think I gave match. it, I went 375 just because I thought they did, like I said, a really good job of turning me into believing that the belt was in peril. And that's that what it's all about. Chance. And they did a really good job at it. And I'll say this. Adrian Adonis might be the best at going head over heels into the corner. The only guy I can even think of that's in his league is Kurt Henning. Uh, but he's so great at that bump. Yeah, and, and look at Kurt Henning's build and look at Adrian Adonis. Yeah. You know, what's unbelievable, that say for unbelievable play by, athlete. Buddy, play by Buddy Rose could give him a, a Adrian a run for his money. Uh, Buffalo, New York, home of Rob Gronkowski, Patrick Kane, uh, uh, Warren Spahn. Got to put Adrian Adonis on the list of one of the greatest athletes right ever there. Come, Always one of my favorites. Uh, he, he Buffalo, gets, New York. He gets a lot of, he, a lot of the guys, you know, he, he might've been a little bit of a, 
a bully in some ways. A lot of the guys, uh, Beefcake says that. A lot of the guys say that. You know, the whole thing with Danny Spivey and stuff like that. You know, they had they had that big fight, and uh, you know, Spivey came up, came out on top of it. You know, a shoot fight is what I mean. You know, in the dress room area in Flint, Michigan, right, just a few months before this. And uh, you know the way it is with wrestling fans nowadays. They love if you hear if you hear one bad thing about somebody, they're gonna ride that out forever. Oh, Adrian Adonis is a good wrestler, but he was a bully. But he was, you know, everybody has good and bad to them. And I have you know honestly, I mean? that's all hearsay. I've no, like, exactly. Adrian Adonis was never around for one minute to be able to defend himself in any of that. You know not I mean? one minute. All not that one talk minute. was post his death. I'd never. There, you can't find one story from 1987 where someone's saying this. It's all. No, here's He's a and real Pi- easy target post his death. You know, I mean, Piper and Hogan loved him. They to this well to this day with Hogan and yeah, to, until a, Piper's death with Piper. So Piper I'm not going to go too crazy uh, on that stuff just because who knows? Yeah. You know, he never had a chance to defend himself on that. Yes. Uh, but a really good, yes, yes. really good card. Um, good representation, I think, of the WWF in 86. If I could have changed anything, maybe I send Macho Man off to another city and have a Bulldogs match instead. So I'm a huge Bulldogs fan, and I didn't yeah, think that, we got that, a great IC title match. So That George Savage match main evented a lot of towns. Yeah, I wish it would have. You know, I wish it would have this yeah. night, and we maybe could have yeah. got Bulldogs hearts or, you know, Bulldogs... Or if you want to break up the Tito Orton match, it was a great match. You could have Orton steal in a comedy match and Tito Savage for the IC. Yeah, that'd be nice too. You know, but it was a good card. I, I, it's it didn't wear out its welcome in general. There was only the one match I really disliked, and that was the um, the Moon Dogs tag. But again, we're not in the that's that's meant to cover the time in the building for people to get what they yeah. want to get to settle down for the last two matches. We're a lot of steps up from 1984 because you have six matches like that in, in, in right. that era. Yeah, you the, know, before it's you get a much to, better. There's not like a, um, you know, Jose Luis Rivera or something versus, you know, some other jabroni. Spot, yeah, or know, whatever. Steve Lombardi, whatever. Yeah, so I liked it. I appreciate, first of all, I appreciate anyone who takes the time to listen to us and then email us. And say, hey, this is a part of my memories. Can you guys do what you do? I would appreciate if you guys do what you do to my memories. And I hope uh, we did a good job for you, Lucas. Yeah, and it's just like, Lucas, you know, we're a year into this podcast. I think it's most of the wrestling podcasts that I know are five, six, seven, eight years into it. We're only a year into it. And just to have someone that I said, oh, Steve, is Lucas a friend of yours? No, I don't know him. I don't know him either. So, like, wow, that's that's humbling and cool. Just you Yeah, know, some, we have people somebody like- checking us out. Uh, people like our friend Fred in Elmira donating yes. money, donating money to Paula Scantathon, uh, which is beautiful. So we're really building something we're proud of. Yeah, and you, you make we're making friends out of this. Yeah, and we hope just... to meet as many of you as we can. Um, you know, we'll meet everyone that's there. What I mean is, by what I mean by as we can, it means if you can make it to New Jersey in May, um, and hopefully we'll bring more people on. I mean. There isn't a better, there isn't a, a more specific event geared towards our specific genre or niche yeah, of no, people that we would want. So we absolutely have to do it. And Paula is beyond fired up to. Oh, I can't wait for that. Be with be with Uncle Anthony in New Jersey and to go and see wrestlers. She's never met anyone. She's never seen anyone. So 
remind me, Dave, and listeners too can have an opinion on this. We're going to talk about it next episode in the intro. And I'll say this now before Paul comes on, but remind me, Dave. The wrestling is coming here on December 26th. And Paula saw a commercial for it. Or maybe it's December 30th. Whatever. It's Christmas week. The week in between Christmas and New Year's. WWE? Yeah. It's coming here. And Paula said, should we go to it, Dad? And I ask you, should we go to it? Because obviously it's not what she expects. Here's what I will say. I think she'll really enjoy whatever women's stuff is there. Because she likes to see women wrestle. It does. It's big to her. That, um, that's... Yeah, that's what I enjoy out of so it. So there is that, um, but I have never explained to her. She knows this stuff happened in the '80s, but I've never broached the topic that these guys are dead. She knows yeah. they're older. She's seen them. You know, she knows how what Hulk Hogan looks like now. She knows that he's older. I don't think she'd expect him to be there. You know, but she has said things to me like, "Dad, you know, if we go to wrestling, you think Bret Hart will give me his glasses." Things like that. So do you think, well, we'll talk about it in the intro of the next show. Um, So if you guys want to email or anything, your opinion, you can. Um, But should I take Paula to wrestling? Yeah, I think you should. I mean, she'll probably come out liking somebody, Sasha Banks. You know, they're they're animated characters like they were in the 80s to a degree. They're just not, they're not showcased correctly, uh, in my opinion. But I think like Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, they look like, female superheroes you know what i mean any little girl i think would would you know have stars in her eyes look you know looking Makes at that me wish they had girls only cards because i'd love to take her to that yeah the oh guys my- leave the guys nowadays leave a lot to be desired unless your name uh, is roman reigns or brock lester <laughs> right or you John know, Cena. i wouldn't pay and i don't yeah, know well, that any of those guys i wouldn't pay Obviously, 10 cents to see Cena won't uh, be there seth rollins i mean yeah. come on yeah. <laughs> i'd rather see me or you in there regardless with some personality uh it was fun watching this show with her and I said she was really excited about the possibility of biting the turnbuckle uh, and dancing with JYD. All right. Speaking of the devil, uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, the beautiful and talented Paula Bennett will bring us in to the segment and read emails and hopefully show off some of that great wrestling knowledge she has that sometimes she gets a little nervous to show uh, when the mics are on. But. Um, let's do that, Dave. We'll come back with emails and plugs and talk about the next show. Paula Mania time. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. I do have some plugs, Paula. Thank you. Don't forget, you can listen to this episode's and all episodes of the 24-Inch Podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. That's, of course, because the 
24-inch podcast as a brother podcast, and that's Yo. the Sportscasters. Uh, you can find out more information about the Sportscasters on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Don't forget to find our podcast on Twitter. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch, and the word podcast. Also, our Gmail is the same. Number two, number four, inch podcast at gmail.com. And you can reach us there just like our friend did, Lucas, who requested uh, this show. I think his name was Lucas, right? Do I have that right? Lucas Calhoun. Yeah, hey, Lucas. nephew. Uh, yeah, he was nice enough to reach us on there, so do that. You can find us on Instagram. Dave runs that, the number two, the number four, underscore, inch, underscore, podcast. And my favorite thing, because uh, it's way above expectations, I think, for Dave and I and Paula, is our Facebook group, uh, which you can join by just searching 24-inch podcast on Facebook. Go to groups uh, and then request an invite, and we'll 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 join you up. And then it's a great group. A lot of, yeah, a lot of fun tongue-in-cheek, tongue-in-cheek stuff on there, you know, not to be taken seriously. A lot of funny memes, stuff like that, just to break away from your regular Facebook, you know, media, political-driven, you know, yeah, none of get that. away from all that. None of that. Get away from all that stuff and just, little old school wrestling, little old school, even 80s in general. Come check us out. Don't forget to check out our friend Peter Winston. Uh, his podcast is called Greetings from Allentown. Uh, if you want more information on Greetings from Allentown, you can find him at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter. Uh, much like us, it's a two-pod feed. Uh, the flagship Greetings from, Greetings from Allentown show, the original He's doing that about bi-weekly, I think, at this point. And then weekly, he does Greetings from Allentown Live uh, with his friend Keithy. Uh, so you can find both of those on there. They're kind of doing a breakdown of SummerSlam 1991 right now. Um, or they just completed it. Either way, if you go to the feed, you'll find the episodes. Um, that's about it in, in terms of plugs today. Uh, maybe a couple other things. Oh, I should mention it one more time. Uh, this. The uh, 24-inch podcast is going to be live at 80s Wrestling Con uh, in New Jersey on May 7th. Um, so if you have any ideas for us on what we should do at our table, you can you know, reach us on email for that. But we'd love to see you uh, if you're in the tri-state area. Yes, Paula? I have an idea. All right, right up to that microphone and tell us that. I think we should hand out some stickers. Great idea. Ooh, that's really cool. Love it. Totally agree. That's 24 really inch cool. podcast stickers, right? Love it. And, and Paul, if, if I forget to hand out a sticker to somebody, you think somebody might body slam me through the table? When you hear the word tables in wrestling, it gets a little scary. You know? So I got to be careful. <laughs> if, you, if someone doesn't want a sticker, we can probably give him a tattoo. Oh, there okay. You go. Temporary tattoo? Yeah. Or a prison tattoo? Oh, okay. You got the equipment? <laughs> All right, let's get to some Good questions. Stuff. Dave, you got one to get us going from our friend Kevin Hogan, who was missing last uh, time, right? Kevin Hogan was missing last time. He's coming back with a vengeance at us here. Cutting a little promo on Dave. He's saying, oh. uh, this time, Dave, I want you to read my full question. Don't skip any of it. How about that? No more paraphrasing, so, uh, Dave. Come on. Yeah, so let's, this is a long question here, Kevin Hogan. I'll give it to you, but I don't know about this promo cutting on Hollywood Dave Rollins. You don't want me to cut a promo back, Jack. But here we go. Dave, on the last episode, you and Steve talked about entrance music. You wanted to know what your thoughts were about Hogan's NWO theme music, Voodoo Child, by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, 
I thought that it was great for him, but it annoyed me that he wouldn't always come out to the to wrestle to it. There were times when he would come out to Voodoo Child earlier in the show to cut a promo, but during the main event, he would come out to the NWO theme. For example, <laughs> when he wrestled both Goldberg and The Rock, he came out to the NWO theme, and as soon as that music hit, I knew he was losing. Interesting. It also kind of annoyed me that Hulk Hogan would be coming out to the same music as guys like Buff Bagwell. What are your thoughts? Mm. I guess this one's pretty much for me, right? Because it's WCW-related. Yeah, I mean, throw something in. I know quickly. I guess I'll give my opinion. Um, I thought it. I thought it worked pretty good. It's a good heel um, song, I think. And uh, but I will agree that Hulk should have his own unique Hulk music when it's time for Hulk to have a match. I mean, Hulk shouldn't be. I agree with that last part. Hulk shouldn't be walking out of the ring the same music as Buff Bagwell or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. But go ahead, Dave. You're well, big... actually, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that part first. But eventually, and almost pretty much right away, Buff Bagwell didn't come down to regular NWO music. He came down, they had NWO B theme, that him and like guys like, you know, maybe Stevie Ray, uh, Scott Norton, a couple of those guys would come down to. Uh, so the main NWO theme was only Hall and Nash, Hogan, you know, Six, Eric Bischoff, guys like that. So, you know, there's that. But I don't understand... Like you said, why he came out to Hendrix for his promo, and then the match he'd come out to the regular NWO theme. I don't know if that was just to mix it up or not. And then uh, going ahead to the WWE, uh, he didn't use Hendrix at all for when, he, when they came in as a heel. So when he was wrestling The Rock at WrestleMania 18, it was strictly just the regular NWO music. He didn't start using Hendrix until he turned face, a few weeks into turning face after that Rock match. I always kind of everybody like was waiting for Real American. Like, why didn't they use Real American for that 2002 great face run that everybody loves? I kind of find that odd. Like, were they waiting for something special? They used it for Mister America. The second they got to Raw on Monday after the Rock match, it should have been Red and Yellow and Real American. Right there. But I know they sent they sent them home to get it. Then they uh, I don't know about the music, but they sent them home to get the uh, you know the Red and Yellow gear. Then they, uh, he, had to, he had to fly on Vince McMahon's jet home to Tampa and then come back to Toronto or Montreal with the stuff, and they decided to hold it for a few weeks. Who, Ridiculous. Who knows why? Absurd. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I just don't know why. I think, I think they wanted to make that new, like he had that new outfit that looked kind of like NWO, but it was red and yellow, the tie-dye stuff. He probably came, came back with the old yellow trunks, uh, and you, you know the way Vince is. You know, if it looks too old or something. He didn't want to go with it. But, yeah, maybe that's the same thing Real American. Maybe Remember in 2002, the 80s weren't, even though Hogan was a nostalgic 80s act, in 2002, at least when it came to music, people used to come up to me, oh, you like 80s music? Uh, yeah, you know, everybody, you know, following trends. So it wasn't until about, like, 2008 that the 80s started really becoming, maybe a little sooner than that, but becoming nostalgic with, with music and, you know, the rock and roll bands coming back and everything like that. So uh, maybe that was the mindset to have Hogan come out to something maybe seemed a little cooler, like Hendrix seemed a little cooler than like uh, a Rick Derringer song, kind of sounds along the lines of Journey, Real American, something like that. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, Kevin, g- great question, and I hope I read the whole thing in its entirety for you, brother. Yeah. Pa- Paula, mm-hmm. I got an email here from your cousin Willow. What? Yeah, she sent this to me. She wanted me to read it on the show, wanted you to answer it. Okay. It says, uh, Dear Paula, I want to grow up and love 80s wrestling just like you do. Now, I know you talked about some of your favorite matches, 
and you've talked about some of your favorite wrestlers. But I was wondering, who are some of your favorite people that are on the show that aren't wrestlers? You know, like managers or announcers or any of the other people that make the show great, but don't necessarily do it in the ring. Love you. Can't wait to see you soon. Your cousin, Willow. And everyone can take a shot at this, but Paula, it's for you. You can go first. Who are some of your favorite guys that aren't wrestlers but are on the show? Um, I have a question right here. Yeah. I think she meant see you at Christmas. I think that one was definitely Gregory, too, and Willow. Yeah, probably. Because yeah, he probably helped his sister. Yeah. So what are you thinking? I'm thinking... I think it's... Well, who's your favorite announcer? Do you like Vince McMahon, who says, at least she's in the arms of someone who cares for her? Or do you like Jesse? Or do you like Gorilla? I like Jesse and the Gorilla together because it's such fun me. Yeah. That's a great team when they're together. And then do you have a favorite... Do you like Gene Okerlund in the back when he's doing the... uh, Interviews or Mean Gene, or do you prefer Sean Mooney or um, Craig DeGeorge, or who, who's your guy in the back that you like when they're doing the interviews? Um, I like. Do you remember the time where um, Ger, uh, I forgot his name. What did he do? Tell me what he did. He um interviewed the Bulldogs. Oh, okay. Was it Mean Gene interviewing the Bulldogs? Yeah. How about how about Matilda for you, uh, Paula? She's not a wrestler. Yeah, that's a good one. Dave, do you have any favorite non-wrestlers? I mean, obviously the obvious ones, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, unless someone's listening to the 24-inch podcast for the first time, which is very possible, and if you are, uh, thanks for listening and welcome. Yeah. Uh, obviously, everybody that listens knows that I love the guys like Ian Inventora, Vince, Lord Alpha, Gorilla. I like them better than the wrestlers, not including Hogan. And like Macho Man, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, when that kind of went away, that personality, that Three Stooges gags, that kind of thing, it really started changing wrestling for me. And it's kind of evolved into what it is now. It's too much wrestling and not there's no fun involved. It's supposed to be entertainment. God bless you. And, um, you know, I think the fun's uh, been sucked out of it with those guys going away. And it was such innocent fun, too. It was like something, you, your dad being funny at the dinner table, or your funny, your crazy uncle. That's that's who they were like. And that was mixed in with a little sports feel with the wrestling. I think that uh, made for perfect television for somebody like me. So all those guys are my favorites. Uh, you know, a lot of them were former wrestlers. Did you have uh, a favorite just, animal? A favorite animal. Well, I'm, I'm a dog lover, so I'm okay, going to have to be Matilda. Yeah, but, I, uh, I know we both wrote letters. Uh, well, Both wrote letters. Yeah, Absolutely, man. Those kidnapped. damn Islanders. Yeah. Yes. All right. Good question by Willow and uh, All right, Willow. Gregory. All right. On our Facebook group, we got some stuff. Um, J.R. Senio D'Amato checking in. Don't you love hey, it, fans? D'Amato. Don't you just love it? Uh, Mr. Dick Graham. Dick Graham. We talked about yep. him earlier. Yep, 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 yep. Starting to become a staple here on the show. A uh, comment from Gerald Rosenberg. I finally caught up on your shows. You guys and Paula have been doing great. Would you consider covering a pre-Hulkamania match? Such as is Hogan Tony Atlas from MSG or Hogan Andre from Shea Stadium. Dave, we talked about this, you and I. Yeah, thank you, Jared. Uh, and thank you for the compliment and thank you uh, for the question. Yeah, we've been talking about this. Uh, yeah, uh, we would like to, to start dipping into some you know, pre-Hulkamania stuff. 
um, you know, some something from the WWF, WWF with uh, Freddie Blassie. And maybe an AWA like match. I know there's, yeah, and that's what I was going to say, an AWA match with Bachwinkle, that, that's definitely coming. That's without mm-hmm. a doubt. But there's also a, a, a match with Backlund from the Spectrum that we can get our hands on and check out. There's, there's a lot to dig into there. And, uh, you know, coming in 2022, I'll just say stay tuned. Yeah, Dave and I have a, uh, Dave, Paul, and I have a spreadsheet on Google Sheets that we keep track of by year. And there's a column pre-84. Uh, and that's one we haven't checked off yet, but we will soon, like Dave said. So thanks for checking in, Dave. And that would be, be really cool because sometimes, you know, I could be a I don't, uh, dick. Excuse my language, uh, Paul, there. I couldn't think of another word. I think when people are doing a podcast, you know, another podcast, oh, they don't know anything about this. Well, maybe they weren't watching yet. You know what I mean? Everybody goes into wrestling at a different time. So the stuff me and Steve are doing from like 85 on now, I know everything back and forward about it but when we start going into the past there you know the early 80s the stuff i really if i've seen it i've seen it once i've seen clips so now i'm going to be in the same boat as those other podcasters that i was trying to bury in my own mind not not out in public for not knowing things so here we go learn something new every day right we do our work though we'll be prepared yes so there you go that as well paula got an email here from you for uh for you for all of us from grandpa ed says paula Back when your dad was a kid, I used to always put him in the figure four leg lock. Ooh. Yeah. And I would also put him in a sleeper hold, try to neutralize his energy. My favorite tag team back in the 80s was the Hard Foundation. And I was very, very angry when they lost the belts to Strike Force. I was surprised that a team as weak as strike force was able to beat the heart foundation clean in the ring when the anvil got trapped in the model rick martell's boston crab big surprise yeah. the submission was a big surprise two questions for you paula and the other guys can chime in too what wrestling move is your dad always putting you in sort of like how i used to always put him in the figure four leg lock and who is your favorite tag team of the 80s and 90s? Sort of like how the Hart Foundation was mine. Love you, girl. See you soon. Grandpa. I have a question. Okay, what's your question? Um, I, I just want to tell you guys that I think I already know all my favorite stuff. Okay. So can I go first? Sure. My dad always does body slam to me. Body slams. Yeah, I'd be yes. bed, right? Yeah. Get you up over the top and <laughs> right out of that bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. He's looking He's looking for some money out of you, like a $15,000 body slam challenge. Gotta exactly. Yeah. Got to start resisting those slams. And my favorite wrestler, this tag team, is the Bulldogs because they have a dog named Matilda, and that's my elf's name. Yes, we have an elf on the shelf that comes by every Christmas season to watch Paula and report back to Santa and Mrs. Claus in the North Pole. And Paula was able to name this elf on the shelf, and she named it Matilda after Wonderful. the bulldog's dog, Matilda. Yeah. And, and, and Mrs. Claus always gives me a treat. Yes, she does. 
Dave, when you were a kid, did Uncle Tito or Dave Rollins Sr. or uh, any other relatives ever put you in any holds? And uh, what what was your favorite tag team of the era? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, my dad, yeah, he used, to, he used to do a number on me, but that used to be more of like the uh, headlocks, headlocks you know, stuff like yeah. that, yeah, elbows. That's, stuff that's like what that. my dad meant, I think, when he said sleeper hold. He would always get me in a headlock. Okay. Similar. Yeah, similar. And, yes, the figure four leg locks. Oh, man, he would get them to me all day. But, yeah, so headlock, I think, is a very strong dad, yeah. dad move. And for yeah. for me, as well, I'm not a dad, but as an older uncle or whatever to kids around me, Chet's son, my godson, Robert, or, you know, even my niece, Skylar, I like to use the chop, brother. Give a nice, good chop. Oh, it makes yeah. a good, good sound. It doesn't always hurt that bad. I don't have to do much. I don't have to hurt my legs. I don't have to. So nice, nice woo. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's that's my move. And uh, for the tag teams, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty simple. At first, when I first got into wrestling, it was the Bulldogs, and you know, morphed into the Hearts when they turned face, and of course, Demolition. Uh, those are the only three teams I need. That's all I name. Yeah, for me, that that's the big three right there. But I also mm-hmm. am a big fan of some of the deeper teams. You know, sleeper team love Shiki Baby and Volkoff. Chica Nikolai, yep. great heel team. I really like the combination of Big John Stud and Kid Gong Bundy. They're always awesome. seem so daunting. Awesome yeah, great team there. And I like the Killer Bees. Um, although I did frown upon their switching the mask thing. I never really liked that. Heelish. Yeah, heelish. Um, I like the Rougeos. Um, I like this era for tag teams quite a bit. And when I did try to get back into it, I will say. Uh, that Cesaro and Tyson Kidd um, put together an amazing tag team that really had an old-school feel. And in the May 2015 pay-per-view, I have no idea what it's called. I only know that because I was at the Yale graduation when I watched it on the iPad. Oh, and I didn't Yale even graduation. know they were uh, They had a match against um, a two-out-of-three falls match against two of the guys from uh, uh, the New Day. And it's an okay. amazing uh, old school tag match. It's worth a worth we'll a to check that worth out. a look. I mean, it's very much inspired. I I could see TJ calling a lot of it, and very much inspired by like a two out of three Bulldogs Heart Foundation match or something from yeah uh, back in the day. Cool. All right, uh, Michael, also I want to throw. Yeah. I just want to throw in one more. As as sure. I got older, a little bit into teenage years, I don't want to leave out the great Harlem Heat because I'm a big fan of those guys. Okay, yeah, I like Harlem Heat too. Yeah. Uh, Michael Dudamo says a lot of people say the adorable gimmick was meant to be punishment for Adrian Adonis. Do you feel like this is the case? Considering during his run, he got to work with Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, and Piper. How much of a punishment could it have really been? This is a great question slash point within the question that I think we're all going to agree on. Dave, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I, I don't think it was a punishment. I don't see how same thing with Dusty Rhodes and the polka dots. I think that's become like a hindsight narrative. I mean, if you're working middle of the card opening matches as your regular regular self, then all of a sudden you become a stupid gimmick and you're working with Hulk Hogan, Bruno San Martino, tag team with Randy Savage, feuding with Roddy Piper. You're making triple. You're making triple the money. You got a stupid gimmick on. I don't know. I think it was just kind of like a way of, you know, spice you know, Adrian was such a good worker and I think maybe just regular regular Adrian in the leather jacket had had, had you know played its course out and I don't think that get that style of gimmick would have been able to main event these arenas with Hogan. Certainly wouldn't have been able to have a talk show, the flower shop. You know what I mean? 
So uh, I'm think... sure Adrian, Adrian would have liked a different gimmick, but, um, you know, you dealt what you get, and he made a lot of money with it. And I think it's a gimmick that very much evolved as the time went on from starting with the leather jacket, and then you push the envelope a little bit more, you know, and then a little bit more, yeah. and then the flowership comes. But you look at, to call it a punishment, Adrian Adonis was in the mid-card main event at WrestleMania three. I mean, his yeah. match against Roddy Piper is in the probably top three matches on the card. It's listed above uh, Savage Steamboat. Yeah, actually. I mean, it's a Originally. huge draw. That was the retirement match for Piper. I mean, and they put so much time into that match. They started developing that mid-86 or whatever when they yeah, started. It, 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 it's a gorgeous George gimmick, putting it on. I mean, the gorgeous George from the 50s. The gimmick yeah. putting, it on a, putting it on a fat guy. For kids like us, it's funny. Last, and he did we it laughed great. Our butts off. He was great. So we can't ask him personally, but I would think Unfortunately. that he was perfectly fine with it. Paula, did you want to say something, baby? Go ahead. I think he, he needs to be retired. Yeah, he is. You he don't, have to, you don't is. have to worry about that. He's, he's very <laughs> retired. Yeah. Like from being banned. Yeah. Being yeah. From wrestling. What are your thoughts on the adorable one? Did you like him? Not like him? I do not like him. No, why not? Because he had the hair fray and he frays him in people's eyes and it's a little bit scary. Yeah, you don't like that, right? When he gets it right oh, in Piper's yeah. eyes. The atomizer. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, Paula doesn't approve of those tactics at all. Michael, great question, and I, I think that we're Thank all in agreement that that's if that's a wrestling punishment, may every wrestler be punished to be in one of the main matches I mean, at WrestleMania like, 3. A, a punishment might be for a guy like Mike Shaw, who was Norman a lunatic in WCW, then, then became Bastion Booger. I'm not saying it was a punishment, but that's a you know a degrading gimmick for Mike Shaw. And he was in the opening matches. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't wrestling Bret Hart for the title. He wasn't wrestling The Undertaker. You know what I mean? So if Adrian was put in that position in opening matches dressed like that and you know, acting silly. Oh yeah, maybe it's a punishment, but not being you know, put it to gone from mid card to to top of the card. Yeah, main event you know I mean? at MSG March of eighty seven or February of eighty seven, whatever it was. With yeah, the... and and mid eighty six too, with uh teaming with Savage against Bruno and Tito. They had a couple of runs there. Yeah, I'm sure he did very well with that gimmick. Do we have any more, Dave? Uh Tim Mangione is uh, checking oh, in once again. Email. The incredible one. Yeah, okay. You get yeah, Tim, no, and then an we'll email. do the email. Yep, go ahead. Tim is kind of a little bit more like a statement. Uh, he thinks Jeff Jarrett is overrated. In his idea, he's a mid-carder at best. What do you guys think he – why do you guys think he got so big? There's nothing nothing to him, in my opinion. Actually, can't stand him. <laughs> okay, well, Tim, yeah, um, yeah, I, I see him as a mid-carder, upper mid-carder. I never had a problem with Double J. I like the uh, country singer gimmick in the mid-'90s. I thought that was one of the cooler gimmicks in the WWF at the time. You know, with the songs, you know, Spend My Day. Yeah. We all the know that from dog. Bruce Richard. Yeah. The Road Dog. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. But I think he gets a lot of heat because his dad's Jerry Jarrett, you know, famous wrestling promoter. So he's always going to be uh, used at the top somewhere or another. And I think a lot of the heat came from the Russo era, WCW. He brought Jeff Jarrett back in, and immediately he was called the Chosen One and put in the main events where, you know, you had Kevin Nash, you had Hulk Hogan, you had Goldberg, you had Bret Hart there. There really wasn't much room for Jeff Jarrett in the main events, but he was anyway. But uh, I still think he's a, a good guy in the card. Then of all, also a lot of heat came from the TNA. You know, your daddy owns it. Yeah. That kind of deal. You know, do I think he's the greatest wrestler of all time, greatest talker of all time? No, not even close. 
but I think some of the heat is ungranted. But uh, you're entitled to your opinion, Tim. I was ne- I was never a fan. Uh, I was really excited when Vince fired him on the Nitro hmm. Raw or whatever. What do you I, say, like F I yeah, double R E D? Yeah, something? you're double F double I double R double E. Yeah, pretty funny moment. I I think he's just too flaky. You know what I yeah. mean? He comes and goes too much, and you know, little 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 too big for his britches. Is that a saying? You yeah, know what I mean? He's yeah. not that big. He's a a good wrestler, you know, a good gimmick, whatever. But he's in and out like he's like, you know, it's like it's a Kevin Nash or somebody, somebody a little more main eventish. So yeah. I think to that's me, where some of the heat comes. To me, he's he's someone perfectly slotted as a uh, a guy who the Intercontinental Champion beats. Yes. Know. Yes. All right, Lucas Calhoun, who we mentioned earlier, uh, requested the show that we covered tonight, uh, has a question. He says, awesome cast again, and really enjoyed the Hershey Park talk. That's basically in my home area. Uh, Question for you guys. Obviously, in today's climate, a gimmick like the adorable one would get a company canceled. But how do you guys think the gimmick helped or hurt him? And if he survived, do you think he could have had an early ECW or Attitude Era run? Thanks and keep up the good work. Okay, Lucas. Uh, similar but different to the other question. Yeah. Um, good though. Good yeah, question. I like the second part of it. Now focus on that, and Dave, you can take it the way you want. Okay. I think he was so talented as a performer, and if he was able to keep his weight reasonable, um, and if he wanted to, he could work for any company in any era, because he was just so talented in the ring, and I just. Loved the way he bumped. And I've said it a bunch of times on this show already. Um, but the way he went into the corner, the way he went into the turnbuckle, uh, the way he could draw heat, he's just so talented. And I think that provided he maintained his weight, I think he could have similar issues if his career had dragged on to, like, say, Yokozuna. Obviously, he's not quite that big, but could have issues like that. So as long as he maintained that, I would say he's talented enough gifted enough to work in any era, any company. So absolutely, Dave. Yeah, uh, the first part, real quick, we kind of touched on that before. The, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it gay gimmick or whatever. It all stems from Gorgeous George, probably the most famous wrestler of all time next to Hulk Hogan. That, you know, the name-wise, it started then. It was just, you know, it's it's a way to get heat. Uh, I know Donis, he did say on uh, TNT when the gimmick first started that, you know, I am gay. He said that. But it was never really mentioned again. He was just like a tough, real tough, mean, nasty guy that dressed like a woman. And that's funny for kids. It just is. And that's what it is. The Goldust character took it further, you know, a decade later. Took it in a different direction, more sexualized. Adrian's character was not sexualized at all. Could they do it now? No. But that character, I think it could be shown, uh, you know, on any TV now. It doesn't need to be canceled or censored. And I think he could have refined it. If if yeah. it would have just evolved over the years, you know, like, let's say he just never stopped doing it, you know, I think yeah, he was goal- a, he would have adjusted and 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 found a way, you know. Yeah, it wasn't a sexualized uh, gimmick. It was just a big fat guy dressing like a woman, and I, you know that's funny. And he was still mean and nasty in the ring and on the microphone and on the flower shop and all that deal. And uh, yeah, the next part of your question, uh, Lucas. Uh, I believe uh, his wife said, you know, after he passed away, I think it was on some like news clip or something. You could probably look it up on YouTube, you know, in a tragic car accident in uh, July 4th of 1988, that he was training for a comeback with WWF. I mean, you can take that with a grain of salt. It could be what they hoped for. 
But uh, it's funny you mentioned ECW because I really could see him, you know, if he lived, you know, probably not in the adorable gimmick back in regular leather jacket, Adrian, uh, work in the very early stage at ECW when Don Morocco was there and Jimmy Snuka and Tito Santana, guys of that elk. I think Adrian would have been a perfect fit around 1994, maybe bleed into 95. He would have been in his early 40s by then. You know, maybe even in a bail, Bischoff probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. He's, he's friends with Hogan, a, a quick appearance in uh, WCW, do a few jobs. And, uh, you know, then, then he would have hit the, the uh, convention autograph circuits and whatnot. You know, if his career went on, that's just how I see it for uh, the adorable one. Probably would have been a great podcaster, too. There you go. All right. I think that's it, email-wise. I don't have anything else. We got to the Gmail. We got to the Facebook group. And uh, we hit yours. So, Dave, why don't you say what we're going to do on the next episode, which is really like five days from now, because we're going to put it up on Thanksgiving night. What are we going to do, Dave? Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving night, brother. We're going to be in Richfield, Ohio, Richfield Coliseum for Survivor Series 1988. This is a fun show. A lot of substitutions, a lot of guys leaving the WWF, some guys coming in, a lot of stuff with the mega powers, you know, leading towards their breakup down the line. Another great Just, tag team match, the ten man. Yeah, it's like it's like part two, right? Yep. Like the yeah. continuation. Yep. And this a is our friend Peter. Yeah. Peter Winston. This is his favorite. We event. dedicated you know, to uh, Peter. Yeah, we dedicated, dedicated to the great Peter. And uh, this is such so golden of the golden era. You know what I mean? It's on fire. So can't wait. All right. Well, I look forward to that. And since it's five days away, we got to hustle. We got some prep to go. Five, six days away, whatever. Depending on when this one goes up, but yeah, got to get the turkey legs out of our yeah, mouth, you know. Yeah. The peanut butter pie, like Gorilla Monsoon says, the dressing, the cranberry sauce, the stuffing. Get that all out of the way, and we'll have Survivor Series '88 coming down the line. But I do need a favor from everyone out there in podcast land, and that's between now and then. I need you to say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast, brother. Gobble, gobble, gobble. 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 <laughs>